Hey guys, I'm super psyched to announce I got my first sponsor, Santa Cruz Skateboards. It's such a freaking dream. I can't believe I finally got sponsored by a skateboard company, even though it's not for my skating, <laughs> it's for my speaking. But I've been a skater since 1982 and I was 12 years old. I'm so honored. This company was based on punk rock and art. I actually found them in 1983. The Jim Phillips Screaming Hand and the Jeff Kendall Board, which actually posted a picture of me skating the original model on my Instagram recently. And I actually think there's a reissue of it right now. So many amazing designs from the 80s. This company stepped up. They gave me my 20% off code. My code is NHSTOBY. Go to NHSFunFactory.com. USA citizens only. One per customer. Santa Cruz products only. And you can't buy this offer with others. It expires on March 10th at 12 midnight. Santa Cruz Skateboards, thank you so much. This is such a dream for me to come true. I finally got sponsored by you, by a company I looked up to and admired since a child. I really appreciate your support, and uh, I look forward to working with you moving forward. Thank you, everybody, for listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. Since I'm trying to do this in chronological order and try to make some sense to it and have it, like, in order from when I was born to now, um, since we are having H2O on the podcast today, which I'm very excited about, I need to fast forward a little bit and get you up to date. The last episode was with Rusty Pistachio, and we talked about Maryland, how we met, going to shows in Washington, D.C., getting into punk rock, getting into skateboarding. And then I left Maryland, went to New York in 1988. Shortly after that, my brother joined me. His band, Outcrowd, moved up there. Rusty was in New Pulse, going to college at the time, upstate New York. And I had been a roadie, which I'm going to do a whole entire podcast on. I was a roadie from 1989 to 1993. I traveled all around the world. We'll talk about that on a whole different podcast. But up until then, I was thinking about doing music because this song had kind of been born uh, while I was writing for a band called Sick of It All, called, a song called My Love Is Real. We're going to get to all that in a different podcast. But then up to speed, <clears throat> I reached out to Rusty about possibly starting this band with me. And so I think Rusty recruited a guy named Max Capshaw, a, who played in Sick of It All for a moment. And then also we got Eric Rice, a friend from uh, upstate New York also who lived in New York. He was in a band called Zero Tolerance back in the day. So that's when the band formed. And on December 28th, 1994, we played our first show in Bayside, Queens on Bell Boulevard. All of our friends came. We opened up for Murphy's Law. I think Crown of Thorns played too. Mm -hmm. And after we played... There was a huge riot into the streets, police, a big ballroom fight, and that was the first show. And then the second show, we opened up for the Chromags at the Limelight. So, Rusty Pistachio, how are you, Rust? I'm good. Hi. You get Rusty in the mic. You get Rusty in the mic. Um, so, Rusty, so after that second show, how soon after that did we go on our first tour, opening up for Civ and Sick of It All, for six weeks in 1995? That was not too long after that, right? No, that was like six months, pretty much not even six months after our first show. And then our biggest show after that was opening for Rancid, Rancid. and Chicks at Limelight. Yeah. That, that was, was amazing. Yeah. That, that kind of solidified that we're actually a band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if this band acknowledged us and that's became, that's a whole other podcast too, the h Store Rancid, Epitaph, that's a whole different thing. Another podcast. I'm definitely going to touch, touch on that. But I'm trying to fast forward to get to the part where um, I guess we could start on the next part when Todd Morse joined the band. How soon did, how soon after the tour in Europe did, okay, after that Max Capshaw left and then Eric Rice did well, a little um, longer? Well, actually, there's a, there's a ton of stuff that went down from the, we, we started practicing in the summer of 94. Okay. And then, um, we, at that, t at that point, you remember we had, um, Maddie Walenta was in the band. Yes, Maddie. 
We had um, Max Capshaw and we had Eric Rice. Okay, me and you. And it's like, and even even prior to that, I remember you wanted to do a, a hip hop project called Scar for Life. <laughs> and I remember you, you went out to who was that with? Where'd I go? Where'd the, I, you went out to um, Brooklyn and with Caves, oh, Caves and, and his brother. Shout and, out to Lords of Brooklyn. Yeah, shout out to those guys. Still, um, still I'm glad there. I didn't do that, Rusty, because I realized now in my life, people always ask me because they know I love hip hop, like. That I never tried to be a rapper. Yeah, I, I could break dance. I love the culture. You can I freestyle. I freestyle, but like I never, I, I appreciate the culture so much. I would never disrespect it by trying to rap. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't. Thank, but, thankfully, it didn't happen. But man. even even earlier, you remember there was quite a few times Traffic when we, we would be driving around with your mom, and we'd be in the car. You didn't. You'd be in the back seat, and you would just start freestyling. and just talk <laughs> talking shit on me or your brother or oh, shit, or your mom. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as rapping, like going in the studio with a beat, I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah. We ended up doing H2O. Because that, that was, um, I remember you came back, we, that's when I was, um, we were all living in Jersey City. Yes. And I remember you coming back and you'd be like, I don't know, man, it was, uh, it, I wasn't feeling it. And you're like, I'm a hardcore kid. I'm, I'm a hardcore kid. That's, I want to do a hardcore band. Yeah. And, it um, made way better sense. Thankfully, I did that, man. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad I talked myself <laughs> out of that and somebody pushed me to do that. All right. So then, then the, that's the first show. Before Todd Morris, before Adam Blake, was the first show. We played a couple of shows, then we did a whole tour in Europe, which was amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Siv. Thank you, Sick of It All. That's a whole nother podcast. That was a crazy ass fucking tour. Actually, there's there's a couple details between that uh, '94 practice and that that show. I'm trying to think. Give it to me, Russ. Actually, shortly after the first show, you remember? Um, after the first show on Bayside Queens. Um, actually, I'm trying to th- trying to think. Yeah, well, I'm sure we can edit. We can edit the yeah, the yeah, yeah. The, 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 the But um, yeah, shortly after we started practicing, after au- the first show in, in August, and then okay. a- after the first show, I think um, what was it? Um, the the Boston's caught wind. There were there were a, a handful of bands that was before that, the Europe tour. Um, no, we didn't do any Boston shows. Boston shows until we got back from Europe. Yeah, but, um, so the, so the Boston's thing is a whole other podcast. One of the greatest bands took us on many tours. But what happened was Dickie Barrett saw us play at the Wetlands over the weekend, and on a Monday, our agent Stormy Shepherd got an email or a call back then saying that Dickie Barrett went to the show, loved the band, wanted to take us on tour. Yeah. Didn't even meet him that day. Yeah. And what's crazy is one of my first shows in Newport, Rhode Island, was his band Impact Unit. Proletariat, Isle Rich, and Verbal Assault, and Vicious Circle. And that was a handful of shows that his hardcore band played. So amazing. Got to see them. Shout out to Dickie Barrett. Got a Boston's tattoo. That band was a big part of H2O's career. We're going to get into that soon when Todd and Adam get here. Those tours, how they treated people, how humble they were, and the exposure they gave our band. Oh, yeah. And uh, just how Dickie just randomly saw us at the Wetlands. So, okay, that happened. And And then... And prior to that, um, you know, Pete, Pete came... Pete came into practice with us one day. All right, Pete Sickerbill all did. And, um, yeah, Pete Sickerbill wrote the Rift of Five Year Plan. Everybody yeah, knows that. Yeah, he wrote. Um, and then our first demo was with Walter Schreifels. Walter Schreifels at Don, Don Fury's, Fury's studio. Yeah. And so who was, played him? That was Max. That was and, just us four piece and Eric Rice. Yeah. yeah. What up, Smoke A? Because after the after the first show, I think um, Maddie played that first show. I think um, one of the reasons we booted him was um, he he showed up. To practice with four strings on a six-string guitar. I love you, Maddie. <laughs> we love you, Maddie. But That's my why, were, why were you so lazy back then? <laughs> um, shout out to Maddie boy. Yeah. So shit. Okay. Um, and this is all before Todd Downham came. Yeah. yeah. And um, so and then and the first yeah, album Vinny, came out. Vinny. Um, we, oh no, that we, was before that. Vinny Eyeball as well. Yeah, he, we did the yeah. So we put the four-song demo on a seven-inch with Vinny Eyeball records. Generation records. Shout out to Vinny Eyeball, Vinny Lee. Yeah. Because um, Generation was the. 
that was the the hookup that they helped us out with many a lunch money. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> CDs. CDs. Second coming records too. That's a whole different chapter too. I have to do a whole chapter. I mean, moving to New York by myself, all the jobs uh-huh. I work, my roading. We're gonna get to that, people. Um, so let's get. Oh shit! Somebody's phone's on. That's bad. So. So something that uh, so before Todd and Adam get on this podcast today, let's get up to speed. So right right before, so when did Todd Morse and Todd Friend join the band? What At, year was that? After we got back from Europe, and that was ninety five because yeah. they were on the, they were on the record that came out in ninety six, right? Yeah. First album came out in ninety six. And um, you remember the the European tour? There was a two men enter, one man leave. Do you want to get into that? Story? No, I don't want to get into that. Let's not get into that story, but. For certain circumstances, <laughs> I mean that, that's a whole podcast in itself. Just that yeah, tour, yeah. That by crazy the end, by the end of that that first European tour was nuts. That was um, summer '95. That was prior to Todd Friend and Todd Morris joining the band. It was. I remember back then we had really no cell phones, so we go in venues and use their phone to make long distance phone calls. Right. And then at the end of the tour, the agents would call and flip on it and say, "Why'd you run up phone bills in fucking Schweinfurt or some other fucking place?" Yeah. And everybody would call their wives or girlfriends by using the phones. Yeah. And uh, I remember Moon came out on that tour, and and uh, yeah, it was awesome, man. And uh, so and many, so many stories. We get into the, we get to talk. We have to get sick of it all in here too, and Steve. Oh yeah, there's so many crazy stories. Um, so then after that, like what? So when did Todd one, join and Todd Friend join? They joined the summer of '95, the end of the summer, because we did a. It was an eight week tour with sick of it all, like two months out there. Yeah, it was fucking long, dude. That, that was a long tour, eight and, and weeks. any for anyone who's ever toured or or never toured, eight weeks is pretty much. Um, Physical and mental, you go in one person, you come out another. Yeah, and it's, we were younger yeah, too, though. And we're yeah, on a bus. Yeah, we were on a bus, and, and we, we had like five songs and one T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and we were a four-piece. Yeah, people were staring at us, man. It was we, so weird. We played as a four-piece, and yeah. you remember we um, we actually played one of our first festivals as a four-piece, and it was like twenty-five thousand people. Was that Dynamo opening? Um, I think it was Dynamo. Was it Dynamo or? I forget what the name of that festival was. It's been a million years. I do have the laminate, though. Okay. But it was um, Sick of It All Civ. No Effects was on that. There were so many bands that, at the time, we knew them from the the U.S. as being these little club punk rock bands. And when we got to Europe, we're like, oh, my God, these bands are headlining. Yeah, people really love and appreciate music over here. Holy shit. Festivals of, like, 25, 50,000 people showing up to these punk rock festivals. Yeah. and, um, but that that definitely was. Oh, uh, we had Equal Vision Seven Inch too. Yep, we did. Uh, with Steve, Steve Reddy. Shout out to Steve Reddy. You know what's crazy is that because of who we hung out with, how we looked, all the people guilty by association, all that. When we first put a record out, people couldn't believe it. I was singing, and we had melody, and people did not expect that from us the way mm-hmm. we looked, especially. Um, that first show at the Limelight with um, yeah. with Rancid when I wore a wig and we shaved. Yeah, and we opened up with the acapella. Yeah, my friends looked out for me like family. Yeah, um, people bugged out. So people didn't expect that. You know, we grew up <laughs> on. Uh, obviously, all kinds of the different scenes of Washington DC, DC melody with Cali, California, melodic everything. Um, and so people, when we came out, people were like, "Holy shit, these guys are doing pop songs!" It was that was awesome. <laughs> They're singing a cappella. We have breath of fresh air. All right, so <laughs> end of summer of '95, Todd Morse's band breaks up. The out crowd, or at least he was. Ha- I know. I remember Todd was like, "Okay, I'm the guitar player. I'm the primary songwriter, and I'm the band's manager." And it's just so much work and. Um, I know at the time he was like, I'm pushing and pushing and I'm not 
getting as far as I would like to go. And Outcry yeah. was an amazing band, by the way. They had great songs. They bust uh, their ass. They'd oh, yeah. They, so many great shows. So they, many shows with Ramones. He, I remember Ramones shows. He, are awesome. He, your brother definitely put in the work. He put in a lot of great work with that writer. band. And um, when we mentioned to him we're looking for a guitar player, he's yeah. like, I would love to just join a band and just do nothing fun. but play guitar. Play guitar and have fun. Yeah, we're like, well, we need a guitar player that's better than me. Because at the time, I had only been playing guitar for not even a year. I think I picked up a guitar and... August played our first show in December, and then we were on tour, eight week tour in Europe. Um, what nine months? Not even nine months yeah, I later. That. So I guess we could end there and then have these guys join. But that's great. Yeah. So Todd Morse joined, and and uh, the rest and, is history, which we're gonna, about to discuss. And we um, we basically we it was a package deal. Yeah, we got Todd friends. <laughs> we got too. Todd. Fr- He's like, well. He's been drumming with me for a while, and we thought, well, Todd Friend. We didn't have a drummer there, did we? No. Yeah. Okay. We booted. Looking for a drummer, We yeah. booted Max Capshaw. We hadn't even, I don't even think we auditioned any other drummers. We didn't. Because Todd Friend was living at, in, um, in Jersey City. He was, yeah. With, Our crowd was out there. Yeah. So it's like, let's just try Todd. And I remember that was a lot of work because he, Our crowd was more prog rock, more rock punk, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for lack of better words, they had a kind of grunge vibe. Yeah, and Todd Friend was into new wave, new wave punk rock and tribal beats. Yeah, so it was like trying to get him to do like a a Mackie breakdown, like a, yeah. to to hone him to be like a New York hardcore drummer. Yeah, it was it was um, definitely some work, but it was uh, everything that we've done has been work. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but but when you note, when you when you love what you do, it's not work, right? <laughs> exactly. We're gonna have Tarfin call in too. He's gonna call in during this episode too. So like we'll leave, we're gonna leave it right there, and then we're gonna um, and then we're gonna take it from here. Remember we talked about how Dickie Barrett came to see us at the Wetlands, came to the show at the Wetlands the following Monday. Stormy got a phone call. That he was interested in taking us on tour. You yeah. think, you think Dickie came to the two shelter shows at the I know, Wetlands? I know he definitely saw us at the Wetlands. So it could have been the two shelter shows when Todd and Todd yeah. were in the band, right? Hey, that band was good. And so and so then after that, we started we played shows with the Boston's, which was the end of 95, 96. Mm-hmm. Like the showdowns, and, right, in the East Coast area. Yes. Um, and then our first real tour. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Can we rewind? So then on the shelter tour, Adam mm-hmm. Blake... I would say we became really close with Adam Blake, and Adam Blake was going through some mixed emotions about whether he wanted to be in the band or not. Correct? That's pre- pretty much the best way you could put it. And so, Adam's or it was more like we told him you have to be in our band. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Well, no we kidnapped well, basically, him. Basically, that's how we it kid- kind of, That's how I remember. Yeah. Well, wait, so wait, Eric, no. Eric Rice. Eric no, we kid we kidnapped Adam for a uh, weekend. No, remember? Kid. They introduced you're, me. You're to, in they band. introduced me to Mari's pomade, and I never looked back. <laughs> And we in, so introduced we, uh, introduced you to his but, but wait, wait, Colorado Eric Springs Rice family. Was in the band was smoking. He was talking about leaving, so we knew Eric Rice was going to be leaving at that point. Mm-hmm. And Adam Blake wasn't feeling too good where he was, so nope. Adam Blake was rolling with us. He was a Christian Christian monk, and he was rolling with us on that tour. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. So you wanted to roll with the people who gave a shit. I rolled with the cool kid, the cool, <laughs> so, kids. cool kids. So Adam, I know you're. So how long after that shelter H two tour did you leave shelter? Um, I want to say within. Three to three or four, four months, months, right? Yeah. Three or four months. Yeah. So yeah. your first your first tour with H2O, I know your first show was at the PWAC, PWAC with H2O and Madball in Long Island. It was. I can vision it you. Was. I can see you now sitting on the couch with Skinny. your hair parted down the middle like your monk hair. PWAC. So, yeah. 
young and naive and innocent and cute. And he was just sitting there. Are you nervous to play that show? What did that stand for, the PWAC? That's a good question. People, it was with, a great people with AIDS venue. Coalition. Yeah, it was. Was it? Yeah. People with AIDS Coalition. It yeah. was like Rusty Pistachio, wow. ladies and gentlemen. Rusty got that fucking Cares memory. about the issues. Yeah, yeah the PWAC was amazing. <laughs> yes, it so was. So, how are you feeling that day before you're going to play with us? Did we practice with you before we, that? I believe we did a practice. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I borrowed Moon's pink bass. Yes. For the show. Yes. Um, and I remember being really nervous after the show. But, like, on stage, I felt I felt pretty good. Like, uh, like yeah. it, it felt like a good vibe when we played together that first show. So, Rusty, what, so did you find out that Adam had quit the band and then you reached out to him? No, you know, the weird thing was... I was like, we we were like, okay, we need a bass player, and I go, yeah, the, the guy from the guy from Shelter, who played guitar in Shelter when we were mm-hmm. on tour. I go, he's a trained bass player. He went to school to play bass. How did and you know this information? Because I, I actually because <laughs> I actually talked like to jazz bass actually, players uh, on tour. Yeah, actually, stuff. yeah, we, we, so we talked down over that. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, so glad with Adam, but I I remember giving him a phone call and being like. I said, let me call him and see what he's up to. And I called. You called him in England. I called him in. Called him in the UK. You're reaching out. Reaching out. I said, hey, um, Adam, what what are the chances that um, you would do this? And he goes, well, oddly enough, I just left shelter, and I remember saying, well, would you want to? Would you want to fly to the U.S. and play for H2O? And he's like, give me a. Let me call you right back. And <laughs> I think it was like five, ten minutes yeah. later. He's like, dude, I'm down. I said, there'll be a plane ticket waiting for you. I'll pick you up at JFK. And so we flew him out there? Yeah, we flew him Sick. here. And I actually picked you up. And the first thing we did when we got into New York City, we went to Irving Plaza. I, and Mike, I believe we Mike saw, um, yeah, um, Porno for Pyros. Porno for Pyros. Porno yeah. for Pyros. Hold on, to that point. Because I, I was like say, picking wow. up a bass player. One of the best bass players in punk mm-hmm. is playing. I bet Adam would get a kick out of this. Let's go roll. So... I think I was trying to impress Pat Smear? you. Pat Smear? <laughs> no, Mike Watt. Oh, Mike Watt, my yeah, bad. Right, from Minute Men. Let me, let me just say something to, to young bands <coughs> and musicians coming up out there. Notice the point of what happened there. It, it doesn't matter how great of a bass player Adam is or how cool of a person he is. If he wasn't willing to say in yes. one phone call, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly to the United States. If you're not willing to drop everything to do this shit, you're not going to do it. That's yeah. it. Very that's true. That that's really true, actually. But, but I think I think I'd like to I'd like to step back for, to the first time I saw H two O. Okay, go ahead. Because, because I remember seeing then you guys open for Shelter, and I want to say Fury for five. Fury Before of five we was on the with you? Yeah. Stone Pony. Okay. Yeah, I saw, I saw you at the. You actually it was a show we played together at the Stone Pony. The first okay. time I saw you, and I, I remember just being like, "This band reminds me of everything I love about this music." Because at that point, I was a Thank little you, jaded with the Shelter situation. Yeah, I'm sure. And there was so much. It was truly a positive, fun band on stage. No tough guy posturing. Yes. So great, and I was like, "Damn, I wish I could be in that band." But I have a question for you. How, how did you, <laughs> you how, manifest it? How yeah. did you, how did a kid from England actually get into Shelter in America? Sold my soul to Satan. No, but no, but, <laughs> but how did how, okay? How did Shelter find in a you? Way, right? How so, did Adam Blake get into the American hardcore? So scene? so um, I re- I was a like I was a huge fan of of Ragging Up Ray Capo and mm-hmm. Purcell's previous the band stuff. Utah Today, and they they formed Shelter and and like a lot of people, I got involved. I got a little bit interested and a little bit curious about Krishna consciousness, and I would go to the temple every Sunday for the Sunday feast, and I would listen to the lectures. And a member of Shelter was in London at the time doing a side project with polystyrene from X-Ray Specs. And that was Graham. Oh, yeah, so Graham, Graham yeah, and I Graham, became yeah. friends. I, he knew I was at music school at the time. He knew I was favorable towards Krishna. And he went back to the United States and he wanted to leave Shelter, which he was playing bass in at the time. And he had a dream, 
right? Which is kind of bugged out. He had a dream that I was the new guy. And wow. then much, much, you know, much similar to the situation we were just discussing, he calls me at my parents' house and says, do you want to come to America and try it for shelter? And I was like, fuck yes, I'm so in. And I wow. flew out. I almost didn't get the gig because I was too tall. Um, <laughs> it's true. Like, like that's yeah. not a tall... Those, tall tale. those are not t- sure tall right. guys in that band. No, you know no, what I mean? No. So, so I kind of squatted down when I played bass and I, I knew the entire catalog and, you know, and they, they took me in. Moved and me you were a straight edge, vegan, none of that I stuff. was straight edge, vegetarian, um, like a fring, what they call a fringy. Like I was interested in Christian yeah, consciousness, yeah, you, but yeah. I wasn't like yeah. practicing. But that, you didn't have to be that to be in the band. You kind of had to. You kind of had okay. to go a little bit deeper, yeah. Which I, which I was happy to do, but yeah. it wasn't a really good so, fit. So for think me. about that, though. You're sitting in the suburbs of London in a small Hounslow, town. Hounslow, and ha- and, and Hounslow, West London. And you, and this is going to seem like some weird hippie stuff, but Adam's super into yeah, consciousness, I, I, I know yes. and manifestation. Yeah. Sounds like he had an interest even then, mm-hmm. and you manifested two yes. phone calls yes. from the United States I, I, I asked, asking you to be in bands. That's cool. That doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. Well, then you, you, then you go you, back. Unless you put it out there. Then you unless go back you a little further, there. and I told my high school guidance counselor at 17 years old that I was going to move to America and join a heavy metal band. There you so go. I you, missed you, heavy metal, but I did get So the, you put it in the universe. Yeah, I, I put truly it in believe the universe. That. People yeah. believe in it. Yeah. That's it. I believe And as far as heavy metal is concerned, here's a real fact. Adam Blake is in the Thunderstruck video live from ACDC up front headbanging, correct? It's true. Long hair. Well, that was it right there. That was his record. Some could video. say that's the high point of my career right there, actually. <laughs> that's what you should have said yeah. to, to band. I should have. So it, Adam, 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 after after you got fired from Shelter and you're back home in your apartment, wherever you meet the family in Hounslow, what was your feelings on music at that point? Were you done with music? Before you get the phone call from Rusty, were you depressed? Were you... I think I think the... the the thing with shelter and not, not being in my life anymore was actually a stress, stressful, stress release. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't happy in that band. It was a bad fit. So I was happy to be free of that. Of course, like I miss New York, which I never really felt like I got to experience because I was living in a Hare Krishna temple with, you know, like, you know, just living that life. Um, You'd walk over the bridge to go to the city. I'd walk over the bridge. I'd go see movies by myself. I'd go eat a Zen palette by myself. I'd go walk around the city by myself. Um, you, 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 you weren't allowed to have facial hair? And uh, I, can't, I can't remember the facial hair. There was a few... No masturbation? You know, uh, that's When you live in a temple, you're not supposed to whack off. No. Okay. I'm trying to think about the yeah. rules that he had to live yeah. by. No. Just, 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 just each other. So the big four, the big four is no meat. Obviously, no, no uh, meat, no fish, no eggs, no intoxication of any kind, no gambling, and no uh, sex or masturbation. One of those rules I did break in the temple, though. I'll leave it up to you guys to figure out which one. That okay, so it, so now, so now here we are. Adam flies over. He's in. He's, he's playing us with the PWAC with Madball. That's your first show. Mm-hmm. S- shortly after that, we get our first. U.S. tour with Murphy's Law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That tour was one of the funniest shows. The beer, yeah, Todd's showing his tattoo right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. post it. The Beer and Water Tour in yeah. 1996. 96. So here's Adam Blake coming from Shelter, coming from like a Harry Krishna Monk lifestyle, and then we go on tour Murphy's Law, which is the ultimate party band. Um, that tour, we had some crazy fucking memories. Crazy experiences. Mm-hmm. And Adam, was Rapples on that tour? Rapples was. was on that tour. I remember, I remember driving through a hurricane and the trees falling in the middle of the street and then Rapples on top of yeah. the tree. Lightning Russ striking. Underdog was on that tour. Russ Underdog. Um, I remember um, getting, exactly. kicked out, getting kicked out of uh, the Swingers Hotel because Rapples jumped off the top floor into the pool. Always think about that. I still eat there. Yeah, you played, and then we played the show in the store and the electricity went out. It was dark. Remember that? And the hurricane? We played a show. Remember who our crew was? 
Who was Isaac, that crew? The Lord Isaac. Lord Isaac, shout and out to Vaughn Lewis. And Vaughn Lewis. Vaughn Lewis. That was Vaughn Lewis's first tour with us. Yeah. Um, that was a crazy tour. And Adam, that that's when you kind of went from a, um, a, a boy to a man. Yeah, in the, a sense. The, the straight edge monastic lifestyle was no longer being followed on that tour. Somebody in Murphy's Law took you to a strip club. Um, somebody... Two people, actually. Okay. That was, that was one of my favorite tours. You guys have to say one of the funnest tours yeah. we oh, did? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it was a lot Amazing. Of fun. I have so many weird little fond memories of that tour. Though. Oh, yeah. You want to share any? Uh, was it a six-week tour? I have a really yeah. great it one. Was of long. Yeah, it was a long, long. long one. Yeah. I have a great one of, of staying up really late one night, and Todd's driving, and I'm next to Todd, and he played me Johnny Cash and started wow. explaining to me, like, song by song, the lyrics and how it's punk rock, but it's not punk rock. And I was like, wow. And I was like, man, this is some deep, deep, deep shit <laughs> right here. I'm glad it just didn't annoy you. No, I, I was... I was but Johnny Cash is pretty I feel like came into H2O very, like, I was a very blank slate. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I was I was sucking all that stuff in. Like, yeah, I was loving were. that stuff. You were. And I feel, but, I feel, um, like, I feel like that's when, that's when, like, Cleveland. a different, different <laughs> chapter of your, your life began, Adam, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of became... I came out of myself a little bit. So after that tour, like we talked about earlier, uh, the Bostons took us on tour in 1997. And that was before um, Let's Face It came out. This is before that. I remember Todd said that was the first time playing to a massive audience. Mm -hmm. It was Um, like a thousand people every show. And we were... To them, a band they'd never seen before, so we had to learn how to like entertain people. As and win a crowd as, over, as opposed to play a hardcore show. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we had. To and learn I like that work. challenge. And I like that we always. Yeah. I like. I like to H. I, I pro. Um, the H tour did that. We want to tour different diverse bands oh, to yeah, play different yeah. audiences. So the Boston tour is amazing. They treat us like fucking gentlemen. They're sweet people. Oh, um, yeah. All good There were some really great shows out there, right? Yeah, yeah. We Especially those Florida ones you mentioned. And they definitely, yeah. they definitely. Um, taught us how to tour, how to be a little bit more professional with um, yeah, how, we, how we do things. And I, I just think it was such a great time for music, you know? Like, we, yeah. we fit so well in, like, with that kind of upbeat, mm-hmm. energetic music. Like, even though we weren't necessarily a positive. star band. Yeah, positive. Yeah. We, we could play with those bands yeah. and do fairly well with their crowd. Yeah. So awesome. how soon... So to back up a little bit, Todd's other band, Outcrow, was signed to Blackout Records. Mm-hmm. So Todd Morris kind of helped us connect us with Bill Wilson. So when we did our first album, we did it with Blackout Records. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, produced by Larry Buxbaum, rest in peace. Yeah. And how, how soon after when that record came out did, did Adam join the band? It didn't seem not like even, that long after that first album came out, you joined the band. I, 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 yeah, to my mind, I did most of the, all the tours for the first album. Even yeah, on yeah. The pretty album. much. So then... So then th- th- we did the one album with Blackout. We tore our asses off of that. And then somehow our demo, or what, maybe the first album was a demo, Rancid got into the hands of Brett Gerowitz. Yes. And right. I, I remember playing like these showcases. I remember coming to LA. We played for Blackout. We played for Hans Haydout, MCA. We played for Brett Gerowitz. I, I remember we did. I remember um, being, sorry to interrupt. I remember being in the van heading to the West Coast and you getting off the phone with Tim or yes. someone and saying, hey, Epitaph is interested to us. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I do remember that, and us re- us being like Epitaph. That to us, that was a major label. Yeah, and we became the, we became the first <laughs> East Coast Harker band ever to sign Epitaph. Yes, um, and, and I, I love when he was schmoozing us, and we did the walkthrough of Epitaph, and there was all the lowrider bikes for Voodoo Glow Skulls, and I was and like, we, we want bikes. He's like, put them in your contract, and we did, <laughs> and, we did. <laughs> and, we did. and then yeah. we got lowrider bikes. Yeah, yeah they shipped. Yeah, I think they fell awesome. apart like in yeah. like a week. Uh-huh. Or something. <laughs> they that never. Awesome. They maybe um, got. They never got ridden, did they? Yeah. And they so the epitaph, epitaph, epitaph experience was amazing. Uh, that was thick in the water in 1997. Well, and then we tore our asses off a lot then. How about um, when we met with Brett Gerowitz the first time, Electric Ladyland Studio? 
uh, Rancid was recording Life Won't Wait, or no, Out Come the Wolves. Out Come the Wolves, you're right. And we went there with a four-song demo, and we were like, Okay, Rusty, got the memory. Let's play this four-song demo for Brett Gerwitz and see what he says. Meanwhile, and that he, was, he was probably a little bit high. He was working on one of the greatest U.S. Records punk ever. Rock. I'll come to the world's one of my favorite records of all time. And we had the we had the audacity to be like, listen to our demo, and you know, sign us. And he listened to it and he said, I think you should keep writing. And he didn't want to sign us. And we're like, fuck that. We don't need <laughs> we don't need this guy. We're gonna we're gonna go do something else with somebody else. I think that we had that so kinda, then we did blackout. We had that kind of attitude. And like, then he heard no, blackout. We're gonna record. move. We want to go on tour. We want to record. We want to go on tour. Who cares what he says? At the time, that's what we were kind of feeling. So then when you heard the Blackout record, that's the one that got us signed, I and think. And that's when, when we ended up going. I think we ended up doing... Because um, we did continue writing. We put that record like out. Like Vinnie Eyeball and Equal Vision and mm-hmm. then Blackout. Yeah. Oh, let's rewind a little bit. We, we, we did do a tour of Social Distortion, too. That was, that, that was yes. after Murphy's Law. That was after Top of okay. Broke His Hand, remember? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so well, after we that... We flew all the way to Europe to, to, to tour with Doggy Dog. Yeah, second tour European tour that never I, happened. I can tell the story in front of the beauty bar on 14th Street, what happened well, before we flew. Well, just, we're just waiting for the van to pick us up and take us to the airport, and, and me and Top Friend are horsing around, and Top Friend punched me and broke his wrist. <laughs> but we didn't, um, not in the face, like in the arm. In the arm in and the we arm, go and right? open up for Doggy Dog when they were massive in Europe. That's like the best yeah. tour you could possibly have at that moment. Yep. Yeah. And so. Top Friends kind of complaining about the airport, like whatever, you know, man up, whatever. And we get there, then we play the show, right? And well, we, the play show, like, we play like three songs, three songs and then yeah. we it becomes painfully obvious that TF can't hit his snare drum. In front of a, a great crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Then he Broke goes to the wrist. hospital, comes back in a fucking sling or something, right? And yeah. then yeah. we jumped on an airplane, flew to my parents' house, hung out for like two days, and then we flew back home. Yeah. And then we got off and of the social distortion tour. Was yes. it White Light, White Heat? White, white Light, White Heat, yeah. White Trash. We got, we got Mackie. Yeah so, the, yeah, so then we reached out. We had Mackie from the Chromags come. Bad Brains also, one of the greatest drummers. And he played drum with us, and Tarfrey came on the tour and played one song with one hand. He played, ironically, he played friend. Exactly. Because <laughs> so that, that was the only reason he came I missed, on tour. I missed that irony back then, but yeah. Yo, so that was actually a harder crowd for us, because Social Distortion fans only love Social Distortion. Oh, yeah. Pretty much. So it was a hard crowd we did. I remember it was a hard crowd. I remember Mike Ness watching this. He's like, man, y'all like some doo-wop hardcore with those melodies, those three-part <laughs> harmonies. Y'all some doo-wop hardcore. Singing yeah, I remember him saying that. It was, was super it, sweet. It man. was cool to be like in the filling in the D-Generation social distortion sandwich, though. Cause That's they right. They were both great bands to watch. Oh, I forgot D-Generation. D-Generation was out there. We so went and saw them at the, the before we started the tour. We went and saw them at, I want to say the Roxy in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Show. Mm. I can't remember which venue was one of those ones. So which tour was a tour where... We got pulled over by the cops in Wyoming at gunpoint. You were on that tour, correct? Yeah. Kobe Buzzle was our merch guy. Yeah, that was We were blasting that. music in the van, really mm-hmm. f- going really fast. Yeah, that was an H2O tour. I don't think we were opening for anyone. Okay. It was a handful of shows, that, and we, we and I think the, bef- the last show was in Washington State. I was think. that the one we drove across country to Pittsburgh Tarfram to play with said, Real yes. Big yeah, Fish? Yeah. That was that drive. Yeah, Tarfram, that was that drive. But wow. said we left from Lars's house. In, in California, that's where we're driving from there. That's what yeah, I said. Yeah, but yeah, so we, we we went up the coast and we came back down through. So we're driving all across country to play a real big fish. Yeah, in, in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh at the Club so, Laga. So yeah. this is probably pre pre thicker than water then because I okay. remember I remember we were I remember two things. I remember Lars had a laser disc. Okay, which is. <laughs> Um, oh. I remember that, and I remember that he was what he was going over. I see it in us with us because there was talk of him doing the record. Oh yeah, and that's he was right. playing. I see it in us like yeah. 
And I was like, awesome. Oh. So that would predate. That would okay. be pre thicker than water, right? So I want to say we, yeah, I want to say we were blasting suicidal or something silly, driving down the road super fast. Oh yeah, everyone was asleep, and I was yeah. driving, and I lean, I'm leaning on the steering wheel, so I'm not looking in the mirror, and I'm doing about 90 miles an hour because it's open road in Wyoming. And um, and then someone goes, I think there's cops following us. How many cops <laughs> was it? Like three. Head. It was started off as one. And it ended up like three, maybe five. Well, the guy's siren was broken, right? So he yeah. couldn't like we didn't. He yeah, you saw flashing lights, but you, yeah. yeah. And even when we when we got pulled over, he was on the mic going. Ship, rip, 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 rip. Yeah, and you couldn't <laughs> understand it. But, but he, 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 he's basically telling you to put your hands put your out hands of the up. Yeah. Yeah. Put yeah. your hands and where so I can see them. We did that, and the no, no, actually, okay. I, I didn't do that because I couldn't understand what he was saying, and like a dumbass. I swung the door open and I jumped out and I go, I can't hear you. I'm waving right. my hands in the air. That's I can't right. hear you. I don't understand. And that's when he jumped out of the car and said, freeze, motherfucker. I'll blow your fucking head off. <laughs> and I, remember you just, I remember you just said, guys, I got a gun on me. And we were yeah. all like, oh, wow. Everyone this was is... asleep and everyone's all of a sudden this awake. And I go, what's what's happening? I go, we got pulled over. He's got a gun on me right now. And then, more, then He says more he's going to blow my head off if I move. Rusty, but then more came with guns, right? Because yeah, I remember yeah. some dude had like a stuffed animal in his yeah, car. Like, yeah. He had a shotgun like in yeah. yeah. like They a made human, a sit, human-sized sit teddy bear. Hands. Like sit on the roadside on our oh, hands. Oh, yeah, sit right? on and our then, hands. And you remember when, we, when, when the cops all of a sudden rolled up and there were all these guys... <laughs> These guys were working on the side oh, of the road yeah, yeah, yeah. with shovels. They just ran. They, just, they threw their shovels and just bolted into the desert. Oh, yeah. shit. They were scared shitless. They're like, the, holy the way shit, I, the three way I, cops, guns. Yeah, the way I picture it, though, is when those people left, there was no one else around except us on our knees yeah. and surrounded by cops with shotguns aimed and, at our heads. And you remember, they, didn't remember they put a dog? Like, and I was thinking... Anything could happen right now, and it's our word against them. No That's phones, it. no yeah. nothing. nothing. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you remember, the, they had a dog, too. They and you, remember, the, you remember, we were all outside of the van, and the guy's yelling in the van, anyone in there? Anyone else in there? And we were like, no. We're going to yeah, send the dogs in. Yeah, they, like, stormed the van. Like, uh, it was like a... What do you like think they thought we were doing? There was they, a bank robbery. They, they had the oh, same... Shit. Remember, they told us, right? They, they, thought, they had the same van. Like this, uh, Holy they, shit, I remember they, that part. They thought we were, yeah, they thought we were shady. And... Plus the fact that I didn't see him following us for who knows maybe <laughs> three to five miles. High speed chase in a van. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so that was that was a really scary moment too. Imagine yeah. imagine that was LA and that shit was like on the helicopter and you were watching it on TV, Rusty just like half asleep leaning on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the steering wheel. And everyone's we watching get the to TV Pittsburgh. going, dude, look in your rear view mirror. <laughs> we gotta get to Pittsburgh and play some show. Uh, Tarfin's gonna you know go and call and tell me about another one he can call and tell about. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what? You know, well, you know what else they? What else they did? They shook us down. They shook us down because they go, we can waste a whole lot of time. You can go to the follow us to the courthouse. Oh, that's It'll right. It'll probably take about six hours, and you can pay your fine there, or you can give us cash here. I remember that. Fine it was, for what? Holy fine shit! Fine for a speeding. And it was wow. um, they fined us. It was six hundred, like six hundred and ninety something dollars. Yeah. Go, you can pay us in cash now, and we'll let you go. I'm like, yeah, it's some motherfuckers. Yeah, it was like no receipt. They, they were like, okay, there's three of us. We split three ways. Yeah. Let's get at least two hundred bucks each. And um, yeah, pricks. Wow. Yeah. So wh- shout wh- out to the Wyoming. The lo- what do you think the longest patrol we did back then? Uh, Nine weeks. I think we did a thirteen weeker. No, maybe Fuck. I think well, we maybe that was from the one, year. I know we, we did a long, some long ones. It was fun. I remember we come home for like three days in between, yeah. and then fucking go and yeah, like. And roll. Yeah, we would, we, would, we were touring 11 months out of the year. Up until about 2006. Yeah, it was when about eight years. Off, was it the uh, Murphy's Law tour that kicked yeah. off that? Murphy's Law. 97? 
That was when we started no, really 96. just going. Murphy's Law was ninety six. Oh, ninety six. You started going from there. Yeah, yeah. We did the West Coast with yeah. Pennywise. We did the Misfits. Sick of it all. Tour. Great tour. Yep. Yeah. yeah, two of them a couple of times. Actually. Social yeah. D tour. Social D. Some stuff. Pennywise. The Boss Tones. Pennywise, Pennywise across took us Canada. On our first real, the real, snow core real tour real across yeah. West Coast tour. Yeah, then the snow core tours and across Canada. 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 Yeah. We 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 hit Canada hard. And then we always kind of flaked on Europe for we a while. Did. We canceled tours. We, we always did. kind of played. We did. We, we always yeah. flaked on those. And we were definitely touring the U.S. Three times a year. So when yeah. did we go back as H2O Europe? Because I know the first one was before Adam and Todd was with. I want to say it was F minus to it, no? Yeah, we did with F minus. Okay, F-. the bus. Okay, that's right. And like that. Yeah, the bronchitis tour. <laughs> the bronchitis tour. <laughs> when everyone was still allowed to smoke indoors. And then even though even though we didn't sing about oh, it or invite it, there was sometimes we had some shit pop off at our shows with the security or. Other things. Oh, we yeah. usually stop. We always we always pride ourselves. We stop the show and there's a dick in the pit. Kick Punk-a-rama, him out. Punkarama tour. Oh yeah, yeah we, so, had, we, had, we, had, we had straight up brawls with security Alan, because I, just we'd be so, um, <laughs> you know, we'd catch them like choking out like young teenage girls yeah. and stuff. People that didn't know the. We stopped the show. That was before like. Now moshing and everything and all. It's it's part of the show and they're all trained on how to how to take people over the barricade now and so, set yeah. them down because yeah. it's been going on for so long but yeah. back then we were playing some you know podunk new jersey or whatever and, th- th- and sometimes it was just like i remember one time at a quicksand show it was just like guys they were playing a college it was just like guys from that. the college yeah and they yeah. were just like slamming people down as soon as they came over the thing like it's hard to watch that when you're yeah. on stage you know to mm-hmm. this day i i if i see some Foul shit happening in the front row, it, it bumps out my yeah. show. Yeah, 100%. There, there were venues that yeah. were known, like, but remember Birch Hill in New Jersey was yeah. known for having like over the top security guards. Yeah. And we had it happen at Tramps without booking agent at the time, got into it with somebody. <laughs> yeah, uh, that too. Yeah. Shout out to Tramps. Yeah. Tramps was incredible. The place summer to play. Nationals. Yeah, Summer Nationals. Summer Nationals. That was that upstairs. Yeah, yeah when they, when they the threw, uh, they threw uh, what's the name Tim downstairs? Bohr. Yeah, we stopped the show. Or no, no, not the. Um, they threw. Um, that was Lang- Lang- uh, from US Dwayne, P- Dwayne, Dwayne Peters. Peters. They threw no, that's Lancaster Pier, the infamous fight with H two O and Rusty and the dudes yeah. and the whole yeah. crowd chanting H two O outside. Oh, they threw yeah. Dwayne Peters down a flight of stairs. And the cops took our side. They did yeah. exactly. because they had heard problems about these bouncers already. And Mark Holloway got snuffed. Oh yeah, I think I got snuffed. And then Rusty knocked out two bouncers. Yeah, me, Rusty. Me and Rusty. I was, I, was in, I was in that mix too. I know you and, were. And so was the dude from um, which was hard to explain, from, right? Uh, that hardcore band from out here. Straight face came straight out face. of that. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny. And I, straight I remember face. outside the cops and the crowd chanting H two O. Rusty's on the ground with two dudes on the ground. Yeah, right. And standing then, over and top of two bouncers. Yeah, they hand, they handcuffed me, and then when the one bouncer came to, he looked at me, and I was like, "I got you, I got you," and he's like, "Yeah, you did." <laughs> but yeah, those, yeah, those um, that that whole thing was sparked because some I saw some kid out front with a with blood blood marks on his neck from being choked so hard. He had blood and blisters Dwayne in his Peters neck. And Dwayne Peters too got thrown down a flight and of then stairs. And Dwayne Peters getting tossed by the same guy down a flight of stairs oh, was shit. what set it in motion. That's when our tour manager said, "Come with me. Let's go talk to these bouncers." And and the talk turned to, into we need to yeah we need to talk to the security and get this one guy away from the kids. And it turned into a full on brawl. A full on brawl with us, us versus um, like yeah. four four security dudes, four bouncers. I remember I remember when the cops had you in handcuffs. You looked at the guy like, I got you, motherfucker. Because yeah. <laughs> you warned him, I'm going to get you. Yeah. And then yeah. you end up getting those two guys. It was like. Uh, that was weird. I, I know um, that one dude went for Mark Holloway, our our tour manager at the time, went to, to choke him. He's like, I'm the one who did it, motherfucker. Who's got beef? <laughs> wow. And um, he was going for Holloway, and I caught him from behind and just aimed him towards the door and kept punching him in the head until he fell down. 
And then um, another guy, another bouncer hit me from behind, and you and Todd tripped him. And as he fell, I kind of grabbed him by his ponytail and snuffed him a little bit. But That was crazy, man. Yeah, that was crazy times. It was. Before the interweb. Yeah, before the interweb and before there were a million cameras so you could go to jail for street you justice. You kids don't know how good you got it these days. <laughs> so then after so that, safe now. So then after that, <laughs> we're on Epitaph. Obviously, we love Rancid. We love production that Brett Gerowitz has done. We respect Brett Gerowitz. We asked Brett Gerowitz to do, produce our FTTW record. Yeah. And we chose second Epitaph record. Second Epitaph record in 1998. And we chose Coyote Studios in Brooklyn because that's where they did um, Life Won't Wait. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, I did some yeah. shit that point. Wait, oh, yeah, so we, I remember recording in the dead of winter in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. uh, uh, that experience was amazing with Brett Gerowitz. Um, I, I remember Freddie Mabel coming with all those guys and with 40 ounces and have like a party. And then Freddie did his part for Guilty by Association. The whole vibe of that was so amazing. Dickie, in the studio. Dickie came Dickie, up and did Force, force Field. Yeah, Dickie came up, recorded that with us. Um, talk, talk about Cody, Cody Studios doing uh, yeah, yeah. FTTL. I Brett believe Gerowitz. we did the demos for that record at Tim Armstrong's Tim, Tim Armstrong Studio with him and Sean London. Yes, yeah. 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 Shout to Sean like, London too, man. Um, that was a that was a great experience, man, with uh, Brett Gerowitz. It was cool. And that was, it was no- cool. Yeah, he just like got out of had gotten out of rehab, right? He yeah, just, he was just like this is his first project back, yeah. sober yeah. in the mix. And I remember that. Um, he was he brought out gear like compressors and stuff and it was super focused on everything sounding great but he, he he pretty much let us play whatever we were playing like he didn't you know there's a lot of playing going on on that record there's a lot of that we fit a lot of riffs and runs into oh, fast yeah. music a on, lot on of that, stuff on, is that a good thing it was live at right the time, uh, at the time i think i think if it if it translated it's a good thing you know but like go, going back like i think well, I would have cl- I would have cleaned it up a bit. Yeah. I, th- I think for me that's a sweet spot. A lot like of there, I, think, I think there's a point in a band's journey. Um, maybe most of the time you get it once. Some some bands are lucky enough to get it twice. Where where everything just seems to be moving in a positive upward direction, mm-hmm. and you're you're hot, you're cool, and everything feels great. And whenever I think of making that record, for me that's the that oh, yeah. perfect. That was moment, the upswing. You know? Yeah. 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 It's like, what's happening next? Everything keeps getting better and better. The shows yeah. are getting bigger yeah. and bigger. Yeah. Thick in the Water was fun, too, with Larry. Thick in the Water was great. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Well, with FTCW, like, we, we got the on studio. a bus on our own without any help from, from a label. We were able to, yeah. to be on a bus. We had a real crew. Yeah. A crew. And it was, you know. And, Brec- and, and Epitaph had us back. Had a back. Our, our trailer got robbed twice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Jersey and twice, City. And twice Epitaph bought Jersey us new City gear. Hoods. Thank you, Epitaph. They treat us like fucking... Royalty, Great. man. It was an Great amazing. Label. Bought us a yeah. van, yeah. just everything, the whole experience. Shooting the video for uh, Everetti at the um, on on Eighth Street. Yeah, that was amazing. We had our team um, captain, and then Dave the FTW shooting the One Life One Chance video at the Twin Towers, and on that double decker yep. bus. Oh yeah, just cool shit we did, man. Um, yeah, I always I always say this to the guys. Now I say thanks, Offspring Money. I was gonna say that. that <laughs> you know what? You know what? Yeah. Let, let's talk. Yeah. Let, let, let's talk about Dexter that. Dexter Holland's been taking care of the members of H two O for Dexter years. Yeah. I, I've said that to him. Yeah. But he, I want to talk about laughs. that because yeah. they sold like I don't know ten million records out of fourteen Breck, million out of Brett oh, Girl's garage. Yeah. Like right? they, they were the ones that set it off, like on independent. Mm. Like, yeah. yeah, where they Brett went from a garage to a warehouse. As much I as could people, be wrong on the numbers, but, but as much as people, as much people say like, "Oh, punk rock sellout shits on the radio and stuff," like, all that shit helped everyone. Yeah, it helped us. It trickle a, down. It was a trickle down of punk rock, man. It really was. Yeah. yeah. Green Day, all that stuff, like Rancid, all these bands, like it really yeah. helped. Yeah, like, absolutely. People AFI. so. 
Yeah, there's a ton of definitely so, I mean, a lot it, of bands it that it, it was. That. I don't think it was the bands that were that were like talking shit. It was the fans. Like you can't be on the radio, you can't be this. But I think the bands now really appreciate that the yeah. punk bands because they really helped everybody have long careers. Yeah, yeah, and it was incidental for for for, for a lot of those bands too. They were just doing what they do. You yeah, know? and the times kind of caught up. You know, so it's and so many people's yeah. introduction to us and a lot of other bands. Yeah, like oh, I heard you on a punkorama comp. Totally, the same people that would talk shit on bands on the radio. Are, are benefiting from their, the bands they like making better records but, uh, but, uh, getting their records. You know. yeah. Was Nirvana after that, before that? Before. Because Teen before, Spirit, yeah. there was like punk rockers in there moshing and shit and it was yeah. like, there was a vibe Push of that it. too and, I, and, I, and I, back then I was like, oh, this is grunge, fuck it. But now when I think, think about it, it was kind of punk, some of the Nirvana oh, shit too, punk. man. Yeah. With Dave Grohl from Scream and all that shit. Like, uh-huh. just yeah. a video of it and even the offspring, the dude has X's on his hands when they first came out of the video and stuff. Yeah, that was all... But back then, you're so quick scene. to be like, that's not punk, that's on the TV. I mean, I was guilty of that too, but when you think about yeah. it now, like where you're at in your life and then how music's, what's happening with music and punk rock, it's like, mm-hmm. that shit really helped us, well, it, man. That was like yeah. the post-maximum rock and roll pre-internet era, you know, yeah. where, where, yeah. where punk had got, had moved into From like the, fanzines, the, the right? suburbs and most people's, you know, somewhat into the mainstream, but the internet hadn't really taken it to the far reaches so people were still right. very precious about it they wanted yeah. their band to be yeah. on their yeah. label you know yeah. the, the tech, kind of the internet's brought it back to the underground kind of <laughs> you know yeah and of course when we went we went to the next label we caught all that shit yeah, yeah. so so moving forward so then here we are we're in Epitaph we did two records and it was great we did so much shit with them a lot them. of US and, touring and yeah and the whole time our friend Hans Haydell, who was friends with Todd Moore, Stu Blackout, and the MCA kind of deal back then, he was following our career, and we turned him down like twice or whatever. He was always there yeah. for us. He's still my friend now. I still talk to the dude. Yeah, Shout out yeah, to Hans nice Haydell. He always wanted to sign us. Yeah. And I think at that point, uh, MCA and Blackout did this merger thing. I'm not sure what bands. I don't know if it's Sheer Terror. Somebody was on MCA or something or through the merger back then, and we ended up having another thing where we came to a head and we had like a thing with MCA, Brett Gerwitz, Blackout again. Yeah. And then we went with Hound Tata. We took a chance. You yeah. know, I, I had That's watched true. one of my favorite bands catch shit seven seconds when they went to Restless Records. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They were on BYO and they took a chance and they started changing their music up a little bit. And they got me into U2. They got that different inspiration over seven seconds. Some of the greatest records they made with those melodic ones. So they, they were like, I was like, damn, those guys took a chance. A lot of our friends were doing that, like trying different things. Yeah. And so we went for it. You know, and Todd Friend, I think he picked Matt Wallace, who did the replacements in Faith and no More, if I'm correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was like a dream for him. Yeah. just had lunch the other day. He said, yeah, to, yeah. Say, he said to say hi. After our show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he came to our show. It was yeah, fucking yeah. awesome to he, see him, yeah. dude. He texted me about getting in, but I was in Mexico. <laughs> dude, uh, you saw him after yeah. that? Yeah, yeah I'm, we had lunch. I'm going to be yeah, up with him, too. Matt Wallace. It was Good such guy. a great show he came to. I was so happy he came. Matt Wallace, so, we, so we love you. Yeah. So, so then we went with... Matt Wallace and we had MCA Records. Yep. Uh, our friends Newfound Glory were on there and Blink One Two. Yeah, on Bl- there. I remember Tom came out to our San Diego, one of our San Diego shows to kind of schmooze us about going to. Interesting. Okay. To MCA. Can I just say one thing on the note of what you were saying about bands um, yeah. taking chances and yeah. all that thing? Like, you know, people always always look at it with suspicion. Like, there's some motives of, of you know they want to be bigger. They don't care about their original fans. They're trying to be this and everything. But eventually, at some point, and Adam knows what I'm talking about, at, at some point in everyone's life, they need to grow. Totally. They need to grow. And it's just a matter of, is the band growing faster than the, the fans or, or the other way around? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not good or bad, but everybody has to 
try to grow or they don't feel like the, the, yeah. their you know, career is progressing anywhere. Yes. People would just dismiss a record out of hand based on the record label that put it out exactly. without Back ever hearing a, a note. And, and, and Back then you were judged by that with label yeah. you're on too, so for what sure. What I want to say is when... When when you do grow like that, and then you end up back with nothing to prove, that's still growth too. Totally, yeah. you know sure. what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Not, it's not, you didn't go backwards. You went away so that you could appreciate back this to it. new. And how about and, you know? And how about we just yeah. want to make the same record over and over again? And and, yeah. and exactly. from a label perspective, we weren't the only one. Like New York had been looked at as maybe being a new new Seattle as far as, yeah. as, as alternative music. Quicksand. I mean, Sid was getting signed, Quicksand got yeah. signed. Orange 9 Millimeter. Orange 9 Millimeter got You're signed. Right. Like, it seemed like It seemed like major labels were really sniffing around hardcore. As oh, yeah, like they the all did. Yeah, was a lot of them. We all ate their food. Good We just kind of rode that train. Yeah, a lot, yeah. Of our, a lot of our friends were doing that. You're right. Into Another, I think, too. And, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of our friends. Pretty much all our friends. Sick of it all went to a major label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you remember we went to dinner with like almost every major label and we did. We never once had a discussion like, oh, yeah, we're going to sign to them. We we just wanted to do it. Like we yeah. just wanted to have the free food. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we took meetings. Yeah, we got get free, free CDs, lunch all that shit. CDs. I never remember, remember us saying, "Oh yeah, we're going to sign to those people." Uh, we, yeah, we had many, 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 like, many, many meetings like, with let's people. Let's go talk to them. See what they have to say. See how many so, CDs we can grab. And so for us too, we <laughs> were taking with Generation Records and sell them. <laughs> Yo, know, for us, we weren't just listening to punk rock either. We listened to all types of music. Like you said, you turned him Johnny Cash way earlier. You mm-hmm. two, Madonna, just all different types of music. The H2. Cranberries was the soundtrack of the Murphy's Law too. Yeah, it was yeah Sundays. Isaac loved Cranberries. Yeah, still does. So we would do. Late night drives. So. Yeah, so like all that music we were inspired by, but also but we didn't like. I love hip hop, but I'm not gonna make a rap record. But for us, we were hardcore band, hardcore kids. We had melody in our music from other types of uh, uh, like other types bands. of music. But for the go record, for that, you know, we we were more we did more melodic stuff, I guess. Hmm. I think the go. I mean, it just sounded more. I think for, the, for me, that record was overproduced. That's my opinion. Which was, one? W- the go yeah. record was too overproduced for H2O. Well, like, I had too many things on my vocals. If that record was produced by you or somebody else, because th- those songs stand in our set list today. Yeah. Memory yeah. Lane, Roma, all those songs, they can yeah. fit. But the production of it, I felt for us was too slick. That's my personal opinion of it, because the songs weren't bad. Yeah, there's definitely a I lot of I feel my hooks. voice, like the echoes and the delays on it. And you know what? I, I'm guilty. I, it's my fault, too, because... I think I was just moving to California. We stayed at um, Oakwoods. Yeah. I, I feel was, like I, I feel like I let the rate like I was just like fuck, let's just do it. It was way too much money to spend on a record. No yeah. one should ever spend took that way much money too on a record, long, expe- sure. especially on a hardcore. But I just don't think, I just don't think that any of us could were looking at each other at that time and going, "This is where we're trying to get to." We we, we, yeah. we, we no were just direction. saying we were like, "Where are we going?" Yeah, that, we that, that, point. That, yeah. That's yeah. where it was. Yeah. None of us and, had a clue. And we needed a person to say. This Rain is all in. cool, this progression and everything, but let's think about what people like about you already, too. No yeah. one said that to us. You yeah. know what I mean? Good and point. That's, that, and that would be the only downfall as far as picking a, a producer, because Matt Wallace was not from the hardcore world. He, no. he had no idea where we were from. He was waiting for so, us to, to, to show him which yeah. way we wanted to go. He had, you know? he had skills. But we connected he with had him. Skills, but the connection was there with was him, a, though, man. No, he it had, was great. I learned had, so much from yeah. him. Like, yeah. I became a better songwriter from working but with I wish him. But yeah. I wish maybe he knew more of our history before that, I guess, or something. Yeah, because it was definitely a, a lot of um, give and take and a lot of back and forth because he was, he was pushing us. And we were also pulling him into into our world, so there was it was. So, Todd, you don't think more he's too polished? Um, I just, Maybe I just not polished. It's, it's not, not. I don't really think it's that. I don't even think it's that polished. No. 
I just think musically, us, we didn't have a, 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 a an agreed direction. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I still, I still think if you listen to that record, there's stuff that could have been on Thicker Than Water or FTTW. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Songs Remain has... Yeah. Uh, and a lot uh, of that, out of that, a lot of that was written. Out of that could have been on those records. Yeah, a lot yeah. of that was written with think, yeah. thinking that it would be out on Epitaph. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I love a lot of those songs. And just like I said before, people grew while we ignored that yeah. record for a while. And then we had you guys. I'm sure still do have a lot of people come to the show that want to hear Memory Lane yeah. and want to mm-hmm. hear Role Model because yeah, that's, people, that's people, one of the bigger albums for them. Just because of the, the a lot j- of people that was their gateway. Just yeah, because of the time that the time mm-hmm. that it was going 100%. by. So yeah, you know? so, yeah. So, so back, back then, that's when the message boards really were kicking off, and people hated us. Oh for yeah, that record. I was yeah. I was the one answering all the emails. And it, was, mm-hmm. yeah. it was brutal. Like, but uh, now people love this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now people time. because. Back then, it was like major label. It's 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 melodic. It's yeah. over, whatever produced. It's Matt. Well, I don't yeah. know. But now people are like they love it. People lo- like you said. It's the first yeah. time they ever heard by H2O. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's crazy. My favorite thing with Matt was like, let's talk about our feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I still use that when I work with other people. You know. If How I, long do we uh, take to make that record, man? That was over a month out here. I remember they had that a Pro Tools suite, the yeah. new technology oh, Pro yeah. Tools, <laughs> a guy that could do it. It was and, crazy. Mike Landau. Mike yeah, Landau. Mike Landau. Yeah. Landau so, was the to, to come full circle from that, it's like Guns N' Roses was in the next studio well, over. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, I'm rewind. So how long did it take us to make the first album? Three days. A week. Yeah, or three days. You're right. The first three record, days. three days. How long did it take us? Three days with all with our friends mix, partying mix, in the studio. Yeah. With mixing and mastering. That was record, mix, yeah. master, three days. Yeah. And it okay. sounds like it. Trust me. Yeah. But we played those songs <laughs> so much, though. I, I, I love that record. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, yeah. so Thick in the Water, how long did it take, you think? Two weeks. FTTW about two weeks, I want to say. Yeah. I feel like it was longer with with records, no? Yeah, it was about two weeks. Did we with take Breaker a break? Words. I want to say we yeah. did. We take a we did it, and then we took a little break and came back. He went home and came back. Yeah. But then go. How long was the go record? Forever. Oh, a month. Shit. And we were away from home. We had to fly out to That's California right. and stay at a hotel. And we did pre-production in New York. Yeah, I some remember. pre-production in New York. With who? With Matt. We flew out. We did oh, a rehearsal shit, space. Yeah. Right, yeah. I remember it. And I remember did, putting his foot on the kick drum. I, I I learned that from him too. And we did a lot of demoing while we were on the road. Yeah. You remember we even recorded "Shine the Light" in that little yeah. backwards studio. Oh, I about that Still song. Still my favorite yeah. version yeah. of that song. Yeah, it's the demo version. Yeah, because um, those things. It's like if we only had, if you only had. Um, Recorded that session yeah. uh, with the video. You guys should bust well. that one show just to see. Don't even say a word. Just play it <laughs> yeah. and see see what people. It is the twenty year anniversary. Isn't I think, it? coming up. Couple I years. think. I think if anything, go. We maybe we went in maybe two months, three months earlier than we could have. If we'd have waited a little bit and live with live with everything, I think we would have come out with a record. We might have a big different discussion about. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I know. I know what that when we did we did thicker than water. We basically just. And anything that we were writing, we threw in. Mm-hmm. And on this one, I know it was like, okay, I think our only purpose was how do we write better songs? How yeah. do we get better at as musicians, as songwriters? And I know it was uh, everyone had their own kind of path and idea where they wanted to go with it. And we didn't sign, we hadn't been signed to MCA when we started writing towards it. It's but, true. Um, but there was definitely a, a few songs that were written prior yeah that made that record that i think still still hold up to today i also think like the the recording process for me for me was the least fun because when i remember <laughs> the previous record it was slow done, it was yeah it was us in a studio yeah. making really loud noise and someone recording it yeah. whereas yeah. i felt like this was a lot more 
like the way records are made now like someone did their part the other guy went and did his and it just didn't feel like it's cohesive like the process of making it and we hadn't played them live yeah a lot of those songs we hadn't played live on tour for months and there were too there were too many moments where um, it's like okay you go wait for two hours and then you can come do your part That's true. Yeah, there was we a were, basketball court there, too. There was so a lot of hurry up and wait. We, we were all just hyper and wanting to do it. Yeah, you know, so like we were in the valley at Rumbo Studios. Yep. Yep. And in the other room, uh, Guns N' Roses was there working on Chinese democracy. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And so um, anytime that Axe would be showing up, you'd hear all the speakers like, Axe was here. Axe was in the parking lot. And everybody kind of like froze or whatever, and he'd come in, and I don't know. And there was a moment where he was in this room watching uh, football. In the kitchen, in the, the, in the kitchen. shared lounge. He didn't, he didn't even look at us. Yeah, I think you talked to him. He would stare at the newspaper. uh, I tried to talk to him. I don't know. Yeah, and so I was like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to fucking say something. I'm going to say what's up. And then I walked in. I saw him, and it was this surreal. It was Axel Rose. looked like a wax figure himself with his braids. He had yellow sweatpants on and, like, high docks. (laughs) I went to the bathroom, talked to the mirror, came back out, saw him, didn't say shit. But I thought you ended up talking to him or saying hi to him or something like that. I think I tried or something. I I can't remember. But I do remember that right after that, we went into the our studio and you were like just doing an impression of Axel yeah. Rose and that's that that, that recording Rumbo, exists Mumbo, somewhere. Jumbo. I know. Yeah. Rumbo, ma- Rumbo, Mamba, Jumbo. <laughs> Welcome to Rumbo. And I was thinking, I was hope he hears it. Yeah. You know where you are. And I, I remember we sneak in there and it'd be like we go into a singing booth, vocal, and flowers all on his vocal booth and oh, shit. Yeah. And like, like yeah. remember going into the uh, Guns N' Roses uh, vocal the booth Axel. and shit, Adam. It was so Axel cool. Axel Rose vocal booth. Did you ever see Axel there, Adam? Did <laughs> Oh shit, fix that. My wife will kill you. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. No, we got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. I saw, H2O breaking yeah, we shit. Saw, we saw Axel once. I remember I remember we were oh, yeah. um we were in the back of the studio. Toby yeah. remembers that I spoke with him. I don't remember I that. I, d- I remember I remember we were in the back of the studio yeah. and we hadn't seen him long enough that we thought he was never gonna come by the studio. And we were in the back of the studio playing basketball and occasionally doing Axl Rose impressions. Yeah. Ah, all that stuff, right? And yeah. then we open the doors, we walk in, he's sitting right there on the couch. In the lounge, yeah. right? Oh, shit. Watching football. Yeah. yeah. Read Or reading the newspaper. I know it, he oh, would It's funny up. how we all remember it. Yeah. Well, he had a football jersey on. Yeah, he did. That's, he did. That's, that was his style in the yeah. bandana. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. to me... And Tom I, Lord Algae would be... They would be rolling out his little... Lunch set up like the placemat and yeah. forks and knives. For me, Axel's not the big name in this story, though. The big name was Roy Thomas Baker, who was producing the record, who produced Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, right. shit. He, would he was regu- cool. He talked to us, He right? would regularly hang out with us. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that, to me, was mu- a much heavier yeah, name. Yeah, he was cool. Wow. Than, oh, yeah. so than how many Axel. months did, did they stay there for? They're for a I long think time. They were there for years. Three years. Yeah. Three years. And, and so they was went that a big record, Chinese Democracy, after that? Who knows? I mean, as big as records are these days, <laughs> those days. But I mean, it's one of no. the time and the money they spent. But it was on like was Robin Fink from Nine Inch Nails, Buckethead, uh, Tom Lord Algae, Primus. It was such a they weird. Had, like, I think they had like three yeah, or four different producers, three or four different Pro Tools guys. All right, so then we do the Go record. That comes out. People hate us. They hate it. Some people love it. Some people don't. But then for the well, first, we were on tour for eighteen months. 18 on months on that record? We with just a few days off in between tours. That was wow. the long that was the longest touring we did that year wow. and a half. A lot Drop of our role models might have been single. Yep. Yeah, a lot of our friends, like our peers, love that record and talk to me about it all the time. Um so we did role models as a single, but we also had like a prayer in there too. We, there were talks about us putting like a prayer up for us. Yeah. I went to do a cover song. Then we did role model, did the video. Rancid were in the video, and it was in LA. It was weird that because was awesome. we did we did role model as the single, but we did memory lane on Conan. Yeah. So it was very like very kind of muddled. I I don't know. I I think it was a strong choice. So I think. So let's get to let's get to Conan O'Brien. 
which were like the first New York Harker still probably to be on there ever to perform in there, Rusty. Yeah. The guest was Will Farrell, and there was some bears in the backstage. There was, a, there yeah. was a big bear, yeah. And he was he went kind of nuts when they were bringing him back from. Oh, yeah. We were after him. Yeah. And he kind of fumbled onto the stage and unplugged a bunch of stuff. Like you it was that? like we had a five minute call him before the, we were about to go on. And the big mama bear. Yeah. Went nuts, and I remember um, you guys ran behind the door and closed it. And <laughs> I was knocking on the door, looking through the window, going, "Guys, let me in! Let me in! There's crazy bear behind me! <laughs> let me in!" So that performance was awesome. I remember. I don't know who, who we had with us. I know John. I know John Joseph was in the audience, like yelling shit in between takes, mm-hmm. supporting us. Yeah, well, our, our wives were there. I think whoever was in New York was there at the time. I think so yeah. Who was on tour? Mike Pyro was on tour with us that time. Mm-hmm. Was Josh with we us? We had War- uh, Warren or. Um did we have Warren? And Pyro, too, though. Oh. And I think we were playing with Dropkick Murphys at Irving Plaza that night. We were. Yeah, we, we, we were. did Conan during the day, and we played a show at night. That's Are right. Sure? That's right, yeah. 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 I thought we played... No, it was the same. I remember we went to a show after Somebody had commented yeah. on one of my things and said, yeah, you guys, I saw you that night with Dropkick or something. And we taped, we put, like, as many, as many band shout-outs as we could on All our amps with duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> So that was a fun experience. It was a fun experience. It's a time I remember Will Ferrell, like, I, it, it, like, by the door when we were, you know, that's the one where he did Goulet, you know. Oh, that, yeah. that's <laughs> and I remember him, like, kind of being like, hey, guys, have a good, you know. He was just wow. Guys, but he was, uh, he was pretty big back then anyway, already, Will Ferrell, right? SNL. Uh, but he eventually, SNL, yeah, but yeah. he eventually got Night away. Night of the Roxbury big. So yeah. then we did yeah. that, which I thought was amazing. Ricky I thought it was Bobby like, big now. I'm not saying that was like our biggest accomplishment, but that was pretty big for us. One That's of the pretty, highlights of pretty, pretty of massive, career yeah. is being yeah. on Conan O'Brien, Russ. You think? Yeah, I think we were the first New York hardcore band to be on there. Yeah. Or Anytime you're on a show that you actually watch, it's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that was a fun experience. And so we toured for 18 months after that. It was a long ass tour. A lot. And then we started doing more other tours. Like we did the Boxcar Racer tour. Yes. On the that used. was part of that, I think. No. Mm-hmm. That was part I of that tour, so, I think. Yeah. 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 That was a that was a diverse bill for H two O. Are we going to talk about the all we want EP or is that we keep, keep we can that get one to that at the moment if you want? Yeah, um, I kind of don't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so yeah, let me skip that. So uh, so that was a great tour we met the use. We started touring with Newfound Glory, a bunch of different bands, like really touring more diverse bands. Some forty one yeah. took us yeah, out. Yeah, and for us, yeah. and for us, people are like, oh, they don't they don't play with hardcore bands anymore. But we played with hardcore bands, and we still did. But the point is to get. Huh. But the, but the point is to get your message out to a broader audience. Yeah. You can preach to the converted all day long, but for us, we, we had a message we wanted to spread. So what's more punker than playing to an audience that really doesn't know you? I think that's more of a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You Always know what I mean? For, so I feel, I, I, I'm mm. proud we did that shit. Yeah. We caught shit for it, but we got to play a different audience and, and well, spread the New York hardcore and all that message well, to back different then we people. Were, back then, we were down to play anywhere, anytime. Exactly. And it was more about, let's, let's just play. Yeah, and it's not, and, and it wasn't about forgetting our roots. It was like spreading our roots and spreading those branches to other yeah. people because we still played our own headline shows, knew, the hardcore shows. And we knew exactly who we were. Exactly, yeah. we were we were there to play shows. One hundred percent. We stayed. We stayed. Yeah. We're still the exact same people from. And, then. It, and I like how uh, the Boston's would say, um, "You guys are weird." And like, what, what do you mean? It's like you know, you actually hang out with each other after you're, after you're done touring. It's we like, yeah. Yeah. They see us at yeah. Niagara or so yeah. in New York. What are you guys doing hanging out? We just get off tour together? Yeah. yeah. And that's just but like I'm saying, though, that I feel like that's, the that's something special that we have, is yeah. that we're all friends in real life. Yeah, the you know lyrics, I mean? still the same um, fellas, and we're still all tight. Exactly. <laughs> and people people like... Very true. Very true. Especially um, back then, because we all lived in New York City. Yeah. And we all lived in, yeah. Yeah, so we would, we would really all, you know, we lived like close to each other. Are there any more experience, any more stories you'd like to tell about each show before we move to the next chapter? Like from when you joined the band, anything you want to talk about 
that it was never really talked about. Um, I know you and Todd had your crazy nights hanging out and your um, single life. Sure and, did. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's a story. I've already told this when I speak at schools. Like before Adam became sober, how many years you're sober now, Adam? Uh, it was eight years in September that I haven't drank alcohol. Is the, is the one scary moment was when we, we couldn't find Adam at a festival in Europe and we found him face down in the mud. You, I don't know what you'd done. You were drinking or yeah. something. That was really scary. You were in a wheelchair at the airport the next morning, oxygen on your face. That was really fucking scary. I was scary. a bottle of vodka on, on the daily. Yeah, but I think, was... I think when I joined a band, I think, I think in my mind, like when you join a band when I was a kid, like there was a whole bunch of other stuff you were supposed to do when you were in a band too. Yeah. Not necessarily related to music. Yeah. And I think that, I think that when I was in shelter in the early parts of Asia, I think I wanted to do that, but I kind of wasn't in a position to. So once I was able to, you were almost in prison, then you got free. Yeah. Once H2O. I got unleashed, I wanted to be yeah, like always a go a little wild guy yeah. that got Suppressed. drunk yeah. and did all the stuff that and you were single. Bands and then I was single. So, you know, no. Russ, are there any stories that we haven't caught up on H2O that people would like to hear someone you really talked about? We did all of our recording uh, stories we did like um, all the different albums, the different record cycles, um, producers. I just want to say before I forget, I was in a band for I don't know ten years. You guys know Outcrowd. That's where we got Todd mm-hmm. friend. Yeah, but I was working the regular jobs. I worked every crap job. I was working at a bar, and one time Zig-zag. Toby and Lars from Rancid walked in and said, "Hey, we're gonna go on tour with Rancid. Do you want do you want to be in the band?" And <laughs> I quit my job, and I've been doing music ever since for over 22 years, and I just want to say thank you for, for doing that, bro. Thank you, bro. That's I love beautiful. you, man. That, love that's, you. That's, that's awesome. All, I forgot that story, that's, too, that's man. That's one thing we, we didn't, we've never actually covered, because um, I know we were, we were in Europe, and we knew when we got home, we're like, when we get home, Max... Max is out of the band. We're no, Max good, Capshaw. Goodbye, drummer. Oh, my son's in yeah, the yeah, band. Yeah. Ma- my son's in the band. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so go ahead. Isn't that but funny? Uh, it started <laughs> with a Max. Is yeah. getting, now Max, yeah. is, Max is back. Yeah. So Max Capshaw. Sorry, out. Todd, friend. But it's like we we we're like when we get back when we get back to New York, let's boot the drummer. And like who are we gonna get? And then it's like we could we need another guitar player. And then, but we didn't know that Todd we didn't know that Todd was available. And I think one of those phone calls maybe from Europe. Yeah. When we. Uh, yeah, I think you called me from Europe and said, yeah. "Hey, would you? Would you? I did. Consider I think you planted it in my brain, and I was. Yeah. Because I know we were talking. like a phone call from the office at one of the venues. Exactly. <laughs> that's how we used to, to do bring it. it to bring it back to, to those it. free phone calls that we would yeah. try and sneak in. Remember the coin but, um, machine that we used to put oh, up to the man. payphones? Yeah, the dialer <laughs> from Radio Shack. Yeah, scam the, the, the coins. Hot wire a dialer. And it would make the sounds of the coins dropping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so you could make it call as long as you want. And they say, insert more coins. And you just put it up and the thing would go, ding, ding. I remember yeah, those. Think about those days. <laughs> When's the last time you've ever guys, seen a payphone? Gangster. Mo- what was the moment in H2O where you guys feel like, wow, this is re- we're really doing this? Like, this is like, this is going good. We have a future. Um, you know what I mean? Well, I think it was each, way before Kona Bryan. I think each step of the way was like when we signed a blackout, we're like, wow, we can tour now. We we've made it. We signed a when, contract. We got a van. Yeah. When um yeah when we signed Epitaph, we're like oh my god, this label is huge. You know, yeah. We're gonna sell records like Nirvana. <laughs> All the long way for me, it was like oh I'm on tour. I can eat. I have a place to sleep. Let's do this. <laughs> let, let's do this more. Yeah. <laughs> then I come home and be broke and wondering where I was gonna sleep. You literally was on couch yeah. to couch, man. Yeah, 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 you were yeah, fucking, think, yeah. You were living it. I man. come back to New York and be like let's go on tour because that's where. I can live in luxury. The first, the first <laughs> Japanese sandwiches. The first Japanese tour when we got there, and it's like, here's your press schedule. You get to yeah. your hotel room. We had here's fruit a, baskets. Here's in a fruit basket in your room. Because we were yeah. Epic. You, if you were an Epitaph, you were signed to Epic Records yeah, in, in Japan. Major Sony. Sony. Yeah. So we so. treated. We had. They gave us disc mans. Yeah. We did walkthroughs. We got. 
and Japanese then, version of different CDs. Yeah. Uh, dinner that, every night. Yep. Yeah, um, karaoke. Karaoke at dinner. Um, yeah. That that I think was uh, definitely we've we've made it. Look how awesome this is. Yeah, Japan was crazy. <laughs> the first sure. time going to Japan yeah. was fucking pretty surreal, man. The nineties, man. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I don't think it's ever going to be like that it's for not, any band man. ever. It's I'm sorry. Not. I'm sorry to ruin it for all the bands, but it was just. It, it bands had just started coming over there, and they, yeah, they especially were all, hardcore bands, and they were all about New York City. They were yeah. all about New York City. We were selling shirts over there before we even. You guys were selling shirts before we even got there. Before I know. We even got there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was an incredible experience, man. And, uh, yeah, that was the whole like waiting for us at the airport. Wait, you know, it, it's not like that anymore. They, it's different. They, they're used to it. The now. one thing I wish Todd had the experience with us before he left the band was going to South America, South America. America. for the first time. And no, it's sure. so South weird America that I didn't still I like never that. went with you guys. Right now, never, never so lined up. So let's That's go. why we go. We have to do one more South American. I know. Tour. So yeah. let's so let's Some get point. to that. Okay. So after the Go Record, we're all super burnt. Right. I think I moved. You already moved to the West Coast. You mm-hmm. lived in. Uh, you were married. You moved into um, Walnut Creek. Yeah. You were out. So I left. I left. California. I left. I went to New York first, but you went to Cali first. Mm-hmm. I came to Cali, then Adam came after me. I, I was your yeah. roomie. Adam was my roomie. So we're on this hiatus thing. So mm-hmm. we were totally burnt from the major labor experience. The right. eighteen months of touring, came out to California. I started working for Golden Voice, um, ended up doing this group called Hazen Street. At that time, I got, I got Todd to Juliet Lewis and Licks because mm-hmm. he wasn't sure what's happening with H2O at the time. So he was like, fuck it. He's doing Hazen Street. I'm going to join Juliet Licks. My shit lasted like maybe a year. Your lasted like eight years, which was awesome. No, no, it was, it was, I think it was only five years, but it was okay. a lot in five years. Yeah, was, you guys grinded. Yeah. And Adam was out here. Then Adam came, went back to New York. I did. Rusty, when did you come to Cali? 11 years. No, when did you come? Like, what year? Remember? Yeah, 2007. 2007, Rusty came out here. So we had some demos floating around. We weren't really doing any H, so we're going to take a little break for a while. Yeah. And during that break, we still played shows, just made, didn't make any music. Yeah. Um, right. And then we wanted to go back to the original style of H2O, you know what I mean? Like, and now we got Chad Gilbert to produce a record. Well, doesn't, what, wasn't Chad, I mean, was Chad in your ear about it? Like, yeah. it, he was kind of like, you know, I know what people love about yes. H2O. You just I know what re- I love about you the need, band. You need to remember what you love about the band. Exactly. You know, some, you know, yes. Exactly what I was talking about before. Like, 100%. Like, pointing us in the in a direction. Yep. And, and He's like, I know what I, I, I know you guys are capable of. I know, yeah. I know why I love your band. And I wasn't in the licks anymore. Yes. So it was like... It was perfect you know, timing. It was it was all happened organically. Me, yeah. me and Adam met with Chris Bridge Nine in yeah. New York at uh, Veggie Paradise, mm-hmm. and sat down and talked to him. And he came, you know, yeah, came they to were us. Fans. What? Easy, easy. They were fans. That was yeah. an easy choice to make for sure. Easy choice. It was to an make. easy choice to make. A best choice we ever fucking made. Uh, and then we did nothing to prove, and that was that was a great experience. But and NTP, like if some of those songs have been around for a minute, yeah, a minute, yeah, like. Painted on my brain, I think. Yeah, yeah. that chorus we changed. A lot of them were yeah. old demos I had. Yeah, like, for Sunday. Uh, Painted on my brain is that an old, old demo. Yeah, um, like what happened is, is a that song. That baseline, we call it Egg Hunt. Song egg Hunt baseline. Yeah. Egg Hunt, yeah. I remember talking uh, about that song. Like, what are we going to do yeah. with this? And I remember writing those lyrics in the car with Chad. And Sunday, yeah, yeah Sunday was... That? Oh, yeah, that's... Just that chorus, yeah, Painted on my brain, yeah. And what's the other one? What happened in Eagle Rock? With um, Dylan and with Doyle. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did a demo. yeah. What? We did a music-only demo of Fairweather Friend in San Diego. Holy which shit. Which I have. Yeah. I um, remember having Doyle sit at the end of the table. We were in that backyard, yeah. and we're like, okay, let's play through before we go and record. And we're like, Doyle, we need you here. We need you to sit here and just look mean so we can get some evil into the music. <laughs> Who was yeah. the guy's friend? Daryl? Dylan. 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 Dylan.
So, so for us, and I want to thank the fans who are listening, but nobody's even heard this podcast yet. But when you listen, I want you to know that thank you for waiting for us because there was like a seven-year hiatus where people, can, people totally grew. They changed. They became adults. They became uh, parents. And hardcore kind of changed. And like you guys kind of waited for us to see what our next move was. And we really appreciate that because it could have went the opposite way. You've been like, ah, oh, fuck it. But that shit was a brand new... We became like almost a brand new band with nothing to prove. Like we're very lucky to have that 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 timing, that record right. when it came out. It was yeah. like the comeback for H two O. I would say that's it was. was a little fresh start. That's what I was saying earlier about how sometimes in a band's career you get a second wind. Yes, yeah. you know, like you have that. Uh, we used to that say that about momentum. the Descendants, yeah. right? Yeah. About, about um, when everything yeah. sucks came out. When everything oh sucks came God, out, yeah, I remember us saying, "Man, wouldn't it be great to to make your best record like later that on? Late. You know, that and, late." And everything yeah. sucks is a perfect album. Perfect. Yeah. Let's start to finish. The third wave. <laughs> so yeah, yeah right. so so Maybe nothing proof came out. That that was fucking Say awesome. Into the mic, Rusty's ready for the third wave. The third, third wave. wave. Oh hope shit! Tidal wave. Yeah. Um, pretty sure he means the Descendants, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so so that record came out, and that was really awesome for us, man. We've been touring that ever since, you know. And um, we're lucky that that happened for us, and people waited. And I love uh, that's that record. My favorite. record. I think that's the best H O record. That's, that's my, my favorite record of all yeah. time, and, and that's and that's ten years ago now. Right now, it was ten years ago. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, and so then during that time, Todd Morris stepped away. Todd Morris went to do his own shit, um, joined The Offspring. How long yep. have you been The Offspring for now? Maybe 10 years in May. Mm-hmm. So, wait, you left the band around Nothing to Prove 10 years ago. 10 years ago, May, May, 2000, May 2009 was my first show. Okay, then Nothing yeah. to Prove came out 2008. Yeah, yeah. Todd, I remember. Todd did the shows, and I want to say then we started having like more regular other people playing guitar uh-huh. after the record release show. Yeah, yeah. Holy I remember shit. When, I, and here's, this is funny for me to tell people, but you know, you know I've tried to quit this band like three times. I, I sent an email said I wasn't going to play anymore live. <laughs> Just ignore <laughs> it. And, and, and I'm back. realizing now it's totally like the family mafia thing. Yeah. We're like, you, you, you know, you're not out, We kid. just moved that shit to the junk box. Yeah, yeah. And keep it moving. Out, <laughs> Anytime, my, phone, my phone still rings all the time. And you know what? Whenever it lines up, I want to be there. Yeah. yeah. And we never got Gmail. went to spam. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah you, you can't, you can't, you're my brother. You can't leave it, this it, shit. It's, no, it's such a big part this of spam. Yeah. Every this is, time I try to get out. This yeah, is, they pull uh, you back is, in. It's not a slur on anyone that's played guitar for us because they've all done incredible, Great jobs in their own way. But yeah. it is not H2O without you being on stage with us. Thank you. Yeah. 100%. That's Thank the you. chemistry. We all fit together, Quite man. the same thing. Yep. That is the chemistry. Yeah. yeah. It's not the same thing. Well... It seems to me I've seen the videos and watched Instagram. It seems like the fans are having just a fine time. Yes, that is. There's true. there's <laughs> there's moments when I go to tune my guitar and I turn my back on the crowd that I think that yeah I could easily slip off to the side of the stage and they <laughs> wouldn't even notice even me noticed. gone. Sometimes sometimes if you mistake like what's up with Todd? Why does he have long hair now and a beard? Why is Todd taller? I don't know. Dude, I'm not gonna lie, and this is gonna sound sad, but I I never got a single. Maybe one in the time I've been gone of like, where are you at the show? You know, no, <laughs> on the stuff I post, like, where's Todd Morris? Yeah, yeah. yeah for right sure. The, people okay. miss you, man. People one miss fun, you. One of the funniest things Colin would say is like, yo, I got all these chicks rolling up to my side of the stage and they're looking for Todd Morris and they see me. <laughs> when did that start happening? That started happening after I Todd left the God. band? Because that wasn't happening when I was there. Dude, where's the Todd God? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but I, what, do you, what do you think? is the reason why we've had longevity and what do you think is the reason why people can connect to us? Oh, man. Uh, that's a really... It's kind of hard to answer At this point, I, it's from an outside it's perspective. It's generational now. It's yeah. like, you know, parents are turning their kids on the music, you know, parents... You know parents have turned their kids on the H2O. Yeah, I feel like you kids know, are coming like, with their kids now. Yeah. They're older. So you've had enough effect on someone not only to 
changed their life, but now they want to even turn their kids on to it. And that's a huge thing. You and know, that's, H2O that's, yeah. is kid-friendly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's posy. H2O is for the children. <laughs> yeah, Damien, what, what would you think What would you think the reason is? Because he's, he's a fan, grew up on us. What do you think the reason why H2O has the longevity and why we're still here? Wow, that's a, that's a great question. Um, first of all, thanks for including me. This yes. is, I feel very <laughs> sexy speaking on this mic. Yeah, um, yeah like good, you said, I've been, a, We've been, I've been a fan. Just, um, just full disclosure, I've been a fan since 1997 when I lived in Brookline, Massachusetts, home of Conan O'Brien, of all people. Oh, shit. Yeah. And Adam, Brooklyn. you replied to an email I sent you in like... 99 or something was like that. It was you like, guys suck to sell down. It was, yeah. yeah. It was, <laughs> it was the first email. dick pic I ever yeah. sent. It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, but anyway, your music has changed my life um, on numerous fronts. Um, and I think what has impacted me the most, it's two things. One, the theme, right? So the straight edge, positivity, manifesting, and all that right. stuff that it's all on your lyrics. Um, and it has had a massive impact on me because I was listening to all, all this metal shit that had nothing to do with that. Gotcha. Which I, I love David Mustaine, but yeah. lyrically, <laughs> I'm going to go with Toby Morris. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. And then the music aspect, um, as a drummer, I really like what, ta- uh, what, what he played, um, but I always wanted to be, like, I, I wanted to play in the band with the with the guys so there was a the muso part of me that i was like oh shit i want to play with this band i would love to play with these guys and then there was the wait a second i want to listen to what they have to say i want to be in my room or whatever so it it had a massive impact on me on many fronts and i think that's it's timeless it transcends genres it transcends you know countries you know what i mean like what the positive message that that you guys put out applied to when i was in brooklyn massachusetts of course or where mm-hmm. i was in fucking caracas venezuela you know upper middle class or when i was in in boston or whatever as a like the token latino kid in like you know jewish high school for, you know for all intents and purposes wow. so it was it it, it it it's great dude Thank awesome, you, man. Yeah, Thank of course. You, man. Thank you so much. Did I memorize the uh, speech properly? Yeah. Okay, cool. He, he successfully <laughs> pointed out that we are not a band for musos. That was one thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and two... It's all feel. Two, because we're, you're just pushing... Um, the hardcore, what it does is it, it pushes a message in your fucking face. You know what I mean? But we, we, and, we're not a preachy band, though. No, we're not. But what, but we're what, teachy. But even if you're singing... <laughs> even if you're singing about... Teachy. Even if you're singing about... That's good. Even if he's singing about positivity or whatever, you know, like a, a lot of people do need it to smack them in the face. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 I've always loved that we always had like super tough guys in the pit tatted up, shaved heads, all sweaty, singing like I Know Why or singing Sacred Heart or singing a positive love song. I always loved that. And we always had so many girls at our shows. Uh, so thank you to all the ladies that come and all the super tough guys that supported us too that can come and like have fun too. Yeah. And we, we, we barely had fights at our shows when we did. We stopped the show. I love that about this band. I love that we're real. I love we live the life still. Whether we believe it or not, we're still big kids. Whether we have children or not, whether we're 50 or 40, like it's instilled in us. And whether Todd Morse thinks he's... Um, Who's 40? <laughs> well, I'm saying like Todd, Todd Morse is much. I like, got a couple more like, years like left. Todd, Todd, also, also Todd. A couple more. Todd, a reason why you felt like you maybe grew away from the sound of what we were playing. Right. You're still a punk kid who got me into punk. I don't care if you're a dad and you're 50. Yeah. You're fucking. This is part of you. It's part of the, It's part of the fabric of what I do. And it's, but it's, even but, when I'm trying to copy a Rolling Stone song, it sounds a little punk. Yeah, you know but, but, but Todd, <laughs> it's not just a fabric what you do. You can't throw I mean, it away. it's yeah. some, it's something you have inside of you. It's part of your your fucking history. Right. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, whether you're, whether you're playing a rock band, you're yeah. playing Offspring, you're playing whatever. It's this is something in you, and, and you. I wouldn't have found music without punk rock. Yeah. yeah. Bottom line. And when I would have. And I would. And I would. And I would have found punk rock music wasn't for you. So I appreciate that. So. I wouldn't have found it without. Sounds like you guys are just about square then. Yeah, we're yeah. fucking just you know? about square. That's, so, how we, that's how we roll. So before we go, we have a, we have a special <laughs> guest calling in real quick. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Hello? Todd Fred, I need to speak up. You're on, you're on the microphone. I'm on the microphone? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're about to make this podcast a Toddcast. Oh! Todd. Oh, shit. But to, to, Todd, Toddcast, real quick. Two Todds. I, do, yep. I, I need to know how you, how, how you met Todd Morris, real quick. Okay, so uh, fall freshman year, fall of '85, I was in. This like, hurts garage, already. Let the rain man speak, though. Garage band, and uh, and basically, I gave Todd a demo tape, and I knew he was in uh, Roadside Pets, and I basically just stopped at his locker, locker, and uh, handed him a demo tape. My locker. And wanted to see what he thought of it and everything, and then. Um, like a month or two later, um, I guess he told me, or I saw him like a month or a few weeks later, and he was saying how his band was breaking up, and oh. my band wasn't doing anything, and then it kind of just came from that. I was like, let's jam, and, we, and he said the same thing, let's jam, so we met in uh, my garage. Is that what you in the, TF, were you in a band called Nerd Alert at that time? No, well, that was like a like a little si- joke side project, but Gas was the other band I was in. Gas. Gas. And yeah. let me ask you something. Yep. With the success of Gas, <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't afford to buy a drum set, right? Uh, by the time I met you, I had a real one. So no, I, I remember the buckets, pal. I was at your garage kept, when you I had kept, a bucket drum kit. And, and this two. is not something to make fun of you. That is that yeah. is forward thinking. That is no, that is and motivation. I have a picture of what I did with those two buckets. I put them off to the side because I had like a little store Copeland fantasy thing. Maybe so you I can bring them on tour for us again, TF. Hey, Todd Fred, we just talked for an hour and covered everything. And I'm sure when this podcast comes out, you're going to be like, oh, my God, you missed so much. Do you have, yeah. Can you give me that one story of uh, Eric Rice getting arrested? So... On, uh, yes, on, uh, August 20th, 1995. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this kid's good. He's good. Uh, we're pull- we, we were playing Toast in Burlington, Vermont with Shelter the night before we had just played Mount Vernon at Lowdown. Before Adam was in the band, okay. I was in, yeah, yeah I was in Adam Shelter. I was in Shelter at that time. And we were driving through Massachusetts, probably going about 110 miles an hour. Who was driving? Smokey. Okay. Yeah, he was, and, a, he was uh, a worse driver I'm than me. I'm basically hiding under the bench seats because I don't want to see what's going on. <laughs> I'm hiding. So under TF, the TF, was, yep. let, let's keep it 100. You still hide under the bench seats now? Sometimes. Okay, so, go ahead. Well, Sweet. not like I used to, but okay, go ahead. And we get to about halfway through the state, and uh, we get pulled over by a Massachusetts state trooper. And he's like, get out of there with your hands up. We already did this and story. Different one. No, different this different is a different one. one. Different one. This okay. is the first. This is the first. This is the first time. And uh, basically, he makes makes us all get out separately, and um, walk backward on the side of the road. And he searches the whole van. He finds a little roach, and then um, Smokey claims it. And then we end up going to basically before the show. Uh, going to basically bail him out and 
then my memory is um, shot. I think it was like two fifty or two hundred fifty bucks or something. I probably like that. hit that road. <laughs> I was gonna say that. <laughs> Holy shit! All right, Jeff. And then, that just sprung two stories. I want to talk about Todd Morris real quick. We love you, Tiff. Thank you for your call. Hold on, hold on. I have one question okay, for Todd before he goes. Todd. Yes. Todd. Yes. Okay. A plane crashes on the border of California and Mexico, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where do they bury the survivors? Can I answer this one? I'll let Adam answer that, actually. <laughs> they don't bury the survivors, TF. They survived. <laughs> What's that? Hang it up, T. Okay, listen. So listen, guys. What's that? Okay, this brings me two things. This brings me two stories real quick. No, don't go about this. about Utah. I'm going to piss my pants. Warp Tour. Warp, you know, warp Tour. First, guys, warp tour. first bus at the Canadian oh, border. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say two things. So we did many Warp Tours. It was super fun. We did it in a van. We did it in the Winnebago. We did it. Split the bus with seven seconds. Love you, seven seconds. That was a great tour. We're going to the border. They search the bus. They find a roach in the bus. Todd Morris takes the blame. Whoops, all right. Yeah, Todd Morris takes yeah. the blame because you're the only one that smokes but weed. But it wasn't mine. Because Fishbone <laughs> had the bus before us. I yeah. thought it was the Whalers, but but you're right. It was the Whalers. Okay, the Whalers. It was Sorry, the Whalers. Because, because I, had a, I had a pipe and weed, and I was so paranoid of that stuff, I threw everything out. I never even had any any joints or papers or anything. And they, they, they a find smokeless a ashtray. They find, yeah, they find was capped a, off. They find a roach. And I, I just one took the blame because I was the only one that smoked weed. So you took the blame. Thank you, Todd, for that. You didn't, yeah. you didn't get arrested or nothing, actually. No. No. Just but after, honest. afterwards, I was like, what the fucking Kevin Lyman told us the whalers had the bus. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, one more warp tour. And we were the first bus on of 20-something I am buses. honored to get busted for so, the whalers. I, I got a talk to on that tour for, for vomiting on 311's back lounge on their oh, bus. Oh, yeah. Oh, you Tr- did? Yeah, I thought it was a dream, and then Kevin Lyman called me to his bus and was like, you know you did last night? I'm like, fuck, I think so. Playing a game called Drink, yeah, drink Trigger Will Be, be gone. gone. Like a drinking game. <laughs> yeah, rough. Here's a rule. Here's a rule. Never play a drinking game with a Scotsman. No. Rough. Not going to end well hey, for you. Adam, you also stole a bottle of Jägermeister from the offspring at the Roseland. Oh, I did. <laughs> you did? I did. <laughs> he came, he came yeah. to the offspring show and I gave some Jägermeister backstage. That next, was recently, next thing, I had hold problems. On, hold on. Next thing I know. Recently? That's next not... thing I know, I see Adam stumbling out of the side door of the Roseland out in the streets in New York City with the whole bottle yeah. of Jägermeister. <laughs> I woke up on my stairwell that, that night. I remember. And then, Sorry, bud. It's all right. And then, Todd, there's another one, too, where... Something that happened in Vegas where somebody gave you guys two pills and you guys hallucinated all night. No, we, it was, it was uh, actually. It was I believe. I believe that we uh, we took the uh, some white powder up our nostrils. I feel like oh, it, was, it, was probably, it was probably it was, crystal. It was crystal meth. Yeah. What? Yeah, with Pennywise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. probably crystal meth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we were was up that on for purpose? like. I, I remember no. I had a trash can behind my amp. We were opening for yeah. Pennywise. Yeah, because I, I, I had to puke during the show. Well, we snorted it on purpose, but we didn't know that it was crystal meth. Keep you up for three days. Yeah, and then Todd. I, worst decision I ever made. Yeah. That was oh, yeah. terrible. And guys, you remember when we you broke down the warp? Maybe we broke down the warp tour, and we all split up on different buses. I oh, was yeah. on the rancid bus. I was on no effects bus. I was on the specials bus. You were? Yeah. I was on the you specials were, you were on bus. Kevin Lyman's bus, Rusty. No, me and um, bus? me and Hard Carl had to rent a car. We dropped. The, oh, Rusty! Didn't get no bus bunks. Didn't get no Shout bus. Shout out to Hard Carl from DC. We, we, we had to drop. We dropped off the. My, I was. I love the specials. So I was with Rancid. Yeah. You with the specials, and you with no, no effects. effects. And you drove a car. We drove. We rented a vehicle. We dropped off the Winnebago in the middle of the desert near the Boulder or Denver airport, and said, "Here's the keys are on the wheel. This is what exit you can pick up your piece of shit Winnebago because it broke down like five times on us. I remember. And We've also had some buses yeah. break down or buses, and now not really. I'm gonna let Adam take this question. <laughs> yeah, take the question. What's the question you got? What is it? 
I'm just, I'm just repeating. Oh yeah. Um, I think we covered a lot of H2O stuff. We though. got, we got. They, they, they could be a part two down the line, but this is a pretty good. Anything start. else we forgot to cover for the people listening? We covered a lot. Oh my man. gosh, That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that was a good. Uh, I would have definitely mile high view already. of the band so far yeah. of our Probably. career so far. I think um, def- definitely one of the early memorable ones, the hurricane in yeah, I don't um, talk to that one. North, that was great. North Carolina. Carolina. That was a crazy tour, man. Mm-hmm. That was a great tour. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it, man. Anything other crazy we did? That was a lot. Just a a lot of it gets lost in the um, yeah. next year is twenty five <laughs> years, which is fucking crazy, man. So we'll, we'll definitely be getting out and doing some stuff. And twenty years yeah. of FTTW next year. So we, we got wow. we, we're gonna have a multiple anniversary party. Tom Morris yeah. will be playing with us, hopefully. Tom Morris, hopefully. too. Hopefully. A couple shows we can. Let's get the timing right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess that's it, guys. I really appreciate you guys being on here. Yeah. Um, I, I asked a question to Rusty. I got his answer. I got Tom Morris's answer. Adam Blake. Uh-oh. What is it now that gets you through your day and keeps you positive in this fucked up world? Oh, my gosh. Um, You're a trainer. I Look, am. If you haven't seen Adam lately, he's 45. It looks like he's fucking 30. Maybe twenty five. He's a trainer. He's fucking built like the guy who fought Rocky. Um, was it guy Drago? Who Drago Ivan looks like Drago. Um, what gets me through the day? No, what gets you through every yeah with this everything going on right now? Like what keeps you positive? Uh, I know exercise is a big thing. Yeah, for you. I, I just think honestly, I think I'm just naturally like a positive guy. Like there's not one thing that I do. Like I just I wake up and I'm usually my default mode is pretty happy. But if you don't exercise or have coffee, you if, well, if if I can't move my body. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's exercise or not, which is why sometimes two is rough for me. Like if I yeah, have to, I if it's like I'm stuck on a plane all day, You're kind, I'm kind of a dick. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like if, if if I can walk and get some nature in me, then I'm usually pretty good. I'm better yeah. if I move too. That helps yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like do you feel like because we do kind of what we want for a living and we don't have a boss really, we don't go to a nine to five, that, that that's also part of being positive because you get to do what you love? Do you think that's part of it too? Besides being healthy and exercise. If we work in some shitty shit we hate it right now, mm-hmm. it might be some miserable pricks. It's true. You know what I mean? I think, like, it's, ba- I think it's about balance. Like, yeah. like, like if, if we were on tour, I, I love being on tour, but if you put me on tour for eight months straight, I'm going to hate, hate life. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So I think, I think it's about having like a nice balance of all these different elements in your life that yeah. all make you happy. And people, people, yeah. work together. people look at like, oh, you get to go to all these places or whatever. You know, traveling is fun when you're doing it by choice. Yes. It is. Yeah. But when you, yeah. when you have to do it, uh, you know, yeah. you, you don't always want to get on a plane and leave your family. You know, you don't. No, it's like one hundred percent. Airports. But are you also have the luxury of getting something that H two never got, and that's like private, 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 private jets, private jets, <laughs> private jets yeah. five star hotels, the fucking right. five star hotels, uh, I'm, I'm headlining not, slots at festivals. No, I'm, I'm so, but I talked to you. That's something you because you're so yourself. grateful. Yeah, I'm so I'm so grateful that I'm, yeah. I'm at that point, and that's how those guys tour. And it's, it's yeah, you're experiencing a different level. It's amazing, but you can't say that I didn't do the shit. No, for sure. No, you definitely dues have been since the yeah. Since all the bands you do, you totally yeah. paid your dues. The deposits are in the dues account. Yeah. This, but, this, is, the, this is my first actual uh, street cred check. But it, it's crazy full circle <laughs> that we talked about earlier that the band Offspring that kind of set it off for everybody with Epitaph and Punk Rock mm. is now the band Todd Morris plays in. Yeah. yeah. And it's because of that band, a lot of those bands that opened those doors for everybody. Oh, all they of bought us. us a van. They paid for two of our records. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Offspring. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thank you, Rock. Thank you so thank much. You, Epitaph. They employed, they employed our guitar player. Matt Wallace. <laughs> um... 
Just thanks Vaughn Lewis and Kenny Dude. That's a whole other podcast. All the people that's been part of this band's career for these yeah, many years. Tim different Tim Bohr, different Booking Age Stormy, different people been in and out of our lives. We appreciate you very much. Um, it's been an up, up and Tremendous down. Tremendous amounts of gratitude. It's been a roller coaster. Yeah, fucking yeah. roller coaster. We're lucky to still be here and be healthy. I, th- I, th- I think the greatest amount of, of thanks and love goes to people that keep coming to see our shows. Exactly, keep man. coming out all over the world. You know, it's it's beyond humbling that you guys still give a shit about this band. So we're, thank we're, you. Yeah, for that. we're very lucky to have you guys that care about us still. And I love you guys very much. You guys are my friends, my family, and it's yeah. real life. And um, yeah. off this stage, off this podcast, we're still friends. We still hang. Yeah. Um, and that's I think that's, that's special that a lot of bands don't have that. Because a lot of bands just do it strictly for money. They're in separate planes, separate buses, separate dressing rooms. Don't look at each other on stage. And that sucks. I would never want that with this nah. band. You know mm. what I mean? Just so it would be, be nice to have the option of having separate planes. Yeah, separate yeah but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> just going planes. through the motions. Because if you had those money. options, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I'll come talk. back if Adam doesn't look at me. Okay. You can look at <laughs> Todd. Have your have your people talk to my people, and we'll see if we can make it. They happen. All right, thank you guys for listening. This is H Two O Go, and we appreciate all the love and support. And I love you guys. Thanks for being here, Todd, Rusty, and Adam Blake. Yeah, and Todd, friend, thank you for calling, and thanks for your story. I'm sure Todd, friend's gonna have a whole podcast of his own to finish everything we missed. Can I shout out my record? Yeah. I yeah, got sh- a solo record coming out go in ahead, January. Toddmorse.com. You can go there and get a free download. Yeah, that's it. Nice. Like your training, Adam. What do you do? Uh, training BlakeHealthAndPerformance.com. Um, check it out. Rusty Pizzashi, yeah. jewelry. PeanutJewelry.com. <laughs> Toby Morris podcast right here. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. That was an amazing episode. We covered a lot of ground. I actually wanted to get Todd Friend and Adam on the phone, too, and discuss with them their lives before they met us and before they joined H2O. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, Adam Blake. So uh, on this episode today with uh, H2O, we didn't get to touch too much on you before before we met you. Like, I did that with Rusty, and I want to get get you get you on the phone again and... um. Just talk to Adam Blake about growing up at Hounslow before we actually got into punk. And like, wh- how were you in school? Did you love school? Did you play sports? Did you, were your parents strict? Was there pressure for your grades, etc.? Okay, so I'll give you I'll give you the cliff notes on the young Adam Blake. So, um, as a kid, I was obsessed with Bruce Lee movies, ninja movies, and Dungeons and Dragons. Sick. Um, your in answer to your sport question, I competed in kickboxing as a kid. I had a bunch of fights. Um, won some lost some and uh thoroughly enjoyed myself and then when i went to school i was i was actually a pretty smart kid like i was doing really good in academics i was in the top sets for everything and through my love of dungeons and dragons i became friends with all the heavy metal kids in school and i thought they were dirt bags because they had long hair and leather jackets and jean jackets and i was like this you know i had my school uniform and was doing really good in classes and they kept trying to convince me to listen to the the music they listened to and i thought it was just noise because they were leading with slayer and metallica and, yeah. and you know things like that and then one day one of them led me a dio cassette and it was the lost in line album and i literally remember it to this day i remember late i remember laying in bed at night um you know putting on my Walkman, my big-ass Walkman, putting <laughs> on my foamy headphones and pressing play. And, and track one played, and I, it just made me feel something that yeah. I've never felt before. And I rewound it, and I listened to track one again. I rewound it, listened to track one again. And then I played, you know, finally made it through the whole record, and I went back in, and I was like, yo, bro, you got any more of that shit? Give me more of that shit. I was like a drug addict. 
and he gave me <laughs> he gave me Live After Death, which is an Iron Maiden live album. Same thing in my bed at night by myself, lights off in the dark, foamy headphones on. This that record changed my life. That record, I went to bed, you know, wanting to do one thing with my life, yeah. when, you know, or, and then I woke, you know, I woke up the next morning transformed, and I was like, I'm gonna rock. That's so, what I'm gonna do. What was I'm your, gonna rock. Didn't you also? Didn't you also do nunchucks too? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 uh, rewind. When I was doing, um, so, so during the kickboxing, I also competed in nunchuck, which is a weird idea. Yeah. If you know what nunchucks are, you don't understand how you can compete. So there were two ways you could compete. You could do what was called freestyle, which is where you would stand up in front of a group of judges and would like flail them around and change hands. It was kind of like juggling with nunchucks. Yeah. And then there was also a fighting aspect where you had these foam nunchucks that you would get, get in the ring. These grown-ups would put, would put children in a ring and make us beat each other up with nunchucks. Yeah. And uh, they were foam nunchucks. And uh, I actually ended up winning the British National Nunchuck Championship in <laughs> combat. Yeah. And then coming in second to freestyle. So I was a national nunchuck champion, and I could still swing them like a badass to this day. How old were you then? Gosh, that, I think I was 14, maybe. Yeah. Maybe 13 or 14. So when did you get your first bass or guitar after you got inspired? So, so right after I fell in love with, with, with music, I, I immediately begged my parents to buy me a guitar, and they bought me some piece of shit, like, plas- you know, almost made of plastic fender stratocaster looking guitar and and i i uh played it till my fingers bled you know the, the old yeah. cliche of locking yourself in the room and you know not leaving for the whole weekend and just playing guitar and you know obviously believe it or not my first riff i ever learned was smoke on the water like wow you know, like everyone you know yeah jokes about and uh and then like uh, steve harris was my favorite member of iron maiden i thought he was the coolest one but yeah. I didn't know there was a difference between bass and guitar. Yeah. And then one day I'm like, wait, he only has four strings. I have six. Yeah. What's the difference? And then I learned the difference. And then I switched my guitar out, got a bass. And then, you know, I became, you know, that kind of became my, my thing. And then fast forward a few years, I went to music school. Yeah. To study electric bass for a year full time. And that was. That was after you graduated? You know, that was right after like the English equivalent of high school. Yeah. 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 So is you know, so like I, I took my shit seriously, man. Like when I, when I told myself I was going to, you know, do music for a living, that was it. I, that was all I, all I really wanted to do. Like it was that or just be like a giant, you know, like a, like a loser, like, you know, drunk or something. So didn't you, um, two things I found interesting. One is that you went to school about music and I found out the other day that Matt Henderson went to Berkeley college in Boston to study yeah. music too. It's pretty awesome. Yes. Um, it is. Did, didn't your teacher say that? Did you tell your teacher you're going to go to America and be in a band? They didn't believe it. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so when I was 15, I had a meeting with a high school guidance counselor, you know, the English equivalent, and they asked me, "What do you, you know? What do you want to do with your life?" And I told him I was going to move to New York City. Excuse me, I was going to move to America and join a heavy metal band. Which I would say, like, I kind of got it done. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it was a metal band, but it was damn close. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was that's really always been interesting to me that that I wanted something so bad and it seemed almost so ridiculous because when i told my teacher that i'd probably been playing guitar for maybe a year and i kind of sucked and i didn't (laughs) i'd never met i'd never even met an actual real american person wow that's i'm gonna move to america and join a band and then you know for whatever reason whether it's you know manifesting your desire or 
you know, just if you want something bad enough, the universe will, will meet you halfway. 100%. But obviously it all worked out and, and I was able to do that. Yeah. And, um, was it true? It's true that your neighbor was Elvis Costello. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so as a, as a child, you know, and I'm talking probably like in like the eight to, to 12 year old range, Elvis Costello was my next door neighbor. And this is when he was still kind of, you know, becoming famous. He was, he was, a musician, he would ha- we would see him walking around with his guitar case. Damn. And to my shame, my young friends and I, being brutal little kids, used to yeah, used to heckle him when we see him walk past about the fact that he wore glasses. Damn. Um, I've always hoped that we'll end up sharing a festival bill with him, and I'll actually be able to go up and you know tell him that I was one of those little brats that used to yell at him when he went to his car. Oh, I would love that. So he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't like famous at the time. He was just starting, huh? Yeah, he was he was just he was just getting famous. Yeah. And that's a dude like that you that dude stands out in the crowd. You yeah. know, those big ass glasses and the way he looked. So yeah. So he was definitely starting to become somebody in music. So did you did you start playing any music with any local bands before you end up going to America or is it straight America first? So in, I, I joined a like local grindcore band called Scalplock, which was Sick. um, it, yeah, it was. It, they actually ended up putting out records, which after I was in the band, which was crazy. Um, super blast beat, super super fast and aggressive, down tuned, um, good times. But you know, m- my heart was always in in something a little bit more, you know, punk slash metalish. Yeah. Than that. So how did you go from listening to metal stuff to finding hardcore as just a kid in Hounslow? So, so, um, one of my friends, we, we were, we were like little drunks. One of my friends showed up one day at, at, at a house we were hanging out at and he had Gorilla Biscuits start today. Wow. And he put that record on and it reminded me of the same way I felt when I first heard Dio and Maiden. Like yeah. there's just such a positive vibe to that record. Like totally. they captured something so magical on those tracks and like yeah. it just it just hit me so deep and i was like this is amazing and then obviously from there we did the whole you know thing about looking at the thanks list and what t-shirts are the band guys wearing so we know the next cool band to check out and then it yeah. becomes you become like a treasure hunter or an archaeologist looking you know looking you know for for the next band that's awesome and you know and if, if a record came out with an r on it i was buying it revelation that. yeah was, that was crazy yeah. Anything Revelation put out, I was like, give me that. I'm, I'm into it, you know? So, so, and then I became, you know, then, then obviously I started paying attention to the lyrics a little bit more and it really opened my mind to, to you know, that there was more to music than just singing about Satan. Yeah. And, and really kind of, you know, put some ideas in my head that I really think influenced the person that I turned into, mm-hmm. you know, all these years later. Yeah. Did you, did, did your goal then was not to join American Metal Band, but you wanted to be in a hardcore band at that point? Yeah, at that yeah. at that point, I think I still wanted to rock. Yeah, but <laughs> I definitely wanted I definitely wanted to do more um, something more positive. But what's really interesting is when I heard Shelter, like that same feeling of like this, I want to be a part of this. Like because of the the lyrical content of that band, like at that point in my life was hugely impactful to yeah. me. I mean, you're talking about topics like you know, you know you're not just your body that, 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 that you have a soul and you're part of this greater thing. And, and, and I wanted to be a part of that so bad, so yeah. bad. And you know, once again, like the universe met me halfway and I ended up joining that band in 1994. So, 
it's weird the way things work, man. It's, totally it's weird the way crazy, things work man. like that. Like it is. Like desire is a force. Like I could I sit here and I and I can intellectually explain what happened, but I truly believe if you want something bad enough and it's in your heart and it's just what has to come out of you, the universe gonna gonna lend a helping hand. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You put that. You put that out there into the into the put that juju. Yeah, out there I put it, it out happened. there, and then you know, then obviously I ended up joining Shelter, which was you know an incredible moment for me. Yeah, changed everything. So we talked a little bit about it on the H two O interview, but obviously you've been sober now for how many years? I am eight years. The last time I drank alcohol was September six, two thousand and ten, and I got drunk with Scott Vogel in New York City. That was the last time. And this, you know, a couple of months ago, you wrote something super, super open and honest on your Facebook about those dark times. I thought it was cool. I'm sure some people have seen it. Some people listening probably actually seen it. So that that was like. Yeah, what got you into that dark state? Because you were playing music with H2O, you were doing what you love. Maybe it was because of a love I, or breakup. I think, maybe, or? I, I, I think. I think what really drove me to to becoming a big a drunk, an alcoholic, were two things. One, I think when I got into music, I bought into a lot of the bullshit that people talk about playing music. Like, ah, oh, if you're in a rock band, you're supposed to do this, right? Yeah. And I think I always kind of carried that with me. And I, I know that that's not true. Like, but as a kid, I kind of bought the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. And the second thing I think was a certain amount of just social anxiety. Like, you know, as a kid, like I, I got into music because, and I, I liked to play music because it was, I had something between me and other people, which was a musical instrument. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and I've always felt a little bit awkward in social situations. And, and I, the minute I discovered drinking, I was like, wow, I can hang out and I can have conversations with strangers. And I feel like I feel better, you know? Yeah. And I think that just really, you know, especially coming out of the temple and, you know, being fairly, excuse the pun, but fairly sheltered while I was living in the temple. Yeah. You know, coming out and then getting into this band where, where it was like, just be, do you like, like we got your back no matter what you want to do. You know what I mean? Like, like explore who you want to be as a person. And I, I really ran with that. And it obviously led me, led me to some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful times. And, you know, and then towards the end, it got a little bit darker. Yeah. Did you, were you drinking in England before you went as a kid? Were you, did you try things? Yeah. And... So, yeah. So I, I started drinking at 13, I think was the first wow. time I got drunk. Yeah. I mean, but, but in England, that's late. I'm a late bloomer for a Brit. Yeah. Um, so, so, and I was drinking, you know, you know, probably, you know, most, most weekends I'd get smashed maybe once or twice a week. And then I got into to weed um, or hash as we had over there. And then I did a ton of acid one year. Like I did, I did over a hundred acid trips in six months. Holy shit. And, uh, you know, so, so, so I definitely, I definitely Dabble. indulged substances yeah. for most of my life. You know, and it was always something, you know, but, but, you know, I think as a kid, like a lot of people do that. I just took it a little bit too far and a little bit too long. So then, uh, then I'm sure you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to go to America and play in this band. You didn't realize that all that stuff was going to have to stop. Like it was going to be the opposite of what you thought rock well, and roll well, was. When I joined, yeah. Well, when I, when I joined Shelter, I, I had been straight as for a few years. So, okay. so I mean, there was a yeah. huge, that was a huge... That was one of the things that hardcore did. Hardcore kind of straightened me out for a little bit, you know, yeah. made me realize that that I didn't have to, you know, that there was another way, a better way that I could could, you know, be a part of music without, you know, damaging myself like that. Um, yeah, but when, when I joined Shelter, it was it was a really it was really interesting because I moved into the temple 
And those guys were all full-on devotees. So literally, I didn't really have anyone to hang out with that was like me. You know what I mean? Like I was kind of just by myself. So I would spend my days. I would walk from downtown Brooklyn. I would walk across the bridge. I'd walk up to Times Square. And I'd walk back or maybe pick a different avenue to walk up and down. And I did that, you know, five, six days a week for almost two years when I wasn't on tour. That was all I did, just walk around the city by myself pretty much. We would hang out every now and again, but... Before cell phones, too. Before cell phones, I know. Damn. I got a Zen palette and vegetarian paradise. Yeah. Vegetarian heaven and all those different restaurants I used to have back then. Wow. So it's almost like you had had such a different... Different um, time in New York, like two different lives in New York, kind of. Totally, totally, yeah. I mean, I mean, my life before H2O was was very isolated, and you know, um, obviously living in the temple and trying to take advantage of the opportunity to to improve myself spiritually. I was I was really trying to toe the line with you know the with Krishna consciousness and whatnot, and, yeah. and that was a real struggle for me because you know, like when I moved to like you know, I was like this young younger kid in a band touring the world but at the same time like all the stuff that i wanted to do like i felt like i couldn't do it because i was trying to be a bit more monastic and yeah then when i joined h2o i got to do it all yeah so and you kind of so, came out of your show there and kind of actually that's yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i totally blame you guys for all of it <laughs> <laughs> so what, what what was it that got you out of the darkness and when you for all that stuff you're doing drinking and wilding out and all that stuff i, I just feel like i just feel like it stopped it stopped being celebratory and started being miserable, you know, mm. and just wallowing in your own depression. Like, like you guys had all left. Like I was basically the last one in New York. That's TF right. And TF and TF wasn't hanging. So and I was working in the bar business and, you know, it, it just became like, there's a point where it flipped from being fun and started being really dark and, yeah. and like, and I tried to stop many times and, and I would always f- make excuses to, to start up again. And then finally, yeah. you know, I, I honestly don't know what it was. It was just that one day I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm done. Like, I, like I've, I'm, I'm just, I'm at the bottom. Like life can't, I, I feel so empty and just, there's nothing in here anymore. And I need to like clear, clear, clear myself out. And then, I decided I would move to California to, to, you know, kind of restart. And then yeah. I came out here and, and, you, you know, to me a moon it, it on worked. Detroit street. Yeah. Well, that was, that was before that like was you and I lived together on Detroit street. Um, I remember it was when nine 11 happened. That's right. We were, both out, we were out here. Yeah. I remember That's you right, waking me dude. up that morning and, and you know, yo, the twin towers are under attack. And it was all this, because it was, once again, there was no internet really. So it's all rumors and That's right. phone calls. And we're all trying to call our friends in New York and no one could get through. And had an answer machine that, that was like going off. That's, that's right. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I remember us all watching on the television, you know? And then, then I remember I moved out from living with you in Detroit street because Max was on the way. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, you know, that was obviously you guys, you guys were, were becoming a, a, a family at that point. So was, I moved back to New York then. That's crazy, and your girl was out here too. I remember she came out for a little bit. That's yeah, right. she came out here. Yeah, it was it was it, it's crazy times, man. So what? So so I know you discussed it somewhere before, but not but not obviously not really into do de- into detail. But you, you the P and H thing you got. Um, yeah. So so I got uh, we were on tour in Europe, and I started pissing blood. And this is a classic classic drunk thing. I started looking for everything to blame other than than alcohol. I remember t- telling myself it was because I ate peanuts and they must have <laughs> cut up my insides, right? That's what? the kind of lies you tell yourself. Yeah. So, um, 
so uh yeah and i went i came back to um new york city and i i just kept peeing blood and and i went to see a hematologist and they ran a bunch of tests in the bone marrow biopsy and they told me i have a really rare genetic disorder called peroxial nocturnal hemoglobinuria or pnh for short yeah and basically what it means is is my uh, white blood cells attack my red blood cells, break them down, and I pee them out. And I have the episodic version, which means if I take care of myself, it doesn't tend to happen much. Yeah. If I abuse my body, then it happens a lot more. And some of the some of the attacks have been real uh, uh, mild. Most of them are mild, thankfully. But when it's severe, it fucks me up. I remember like, you in the hospital, dude. We yeah, the I, I, the shows. I spending eight days, eight days. Dave and Beth Israel Hospital getting blood transfusions and stuff. Damn. I had to miss a tour with you guys. It's uh, that was like so hard for me, you know, like knowing you guys were on the road without me really bummed me out. And you, kept, and, uh, you kept saying you wanted to come. You really wanted to do it too. I did. So, I did. I like they told they told me if I'd have got on the plane to California, I, I this is weird to say, but I probably wouldn't have come back. It's insane. So dude. yeah, they're like if you if you had gone and hadn't come to see us, you would be you would have died. Which is heavy to hear. Yeah, you know, it's heavy man. to say now. Yeah. Um, I've seen you. I've seen your piss blood. It's fucking crazy, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 wild. So anyway, yeah. So I still have P and H. I'm I will I you know I will have it for the rest of my life. Um, I just have to you know not be a jackass and take care of myself and and you it know just, it just came out of nowhere though. Yeah, it's it's genetic. So it, it's just something in my genetic code is a little bit different. Like I didn't catch it. I can't give it to anyone else. It's just you know there's a glitch in my matrix and and it's PNH. Yeah, it's, it's it's really rare. the The treatment is a drug called Soliris, which is the world's most expensive drug. So that's out for me. Um, so I just try and take care of myself and, you know, keep a positive attitude and, you know, hope that the universe is willing to meet me halfway again and not let it turn into anything worse. Yeah. And, and now, now you've been a trainer for many, many years. You, I think you're in the best shape of your life. You, yeah, you, you read definitely. so much, you know, so much about nutrition and what you put in your body and you totally mm-hmm. turned your life around from being like a crazy raging alcoholic to like now yeah. it's the most healthiest point of your life at your age. It's pretty yeah. amazing, man. Well, I, I feel like if you're going to do, if you're going to do something, whether it's good or bad, go all in. You know? Yeah, you've always been like that, so, I think. Yeah, I've always been like that. I've always been 100% in or 100% out. So, so now, now, now how, the training that you do every day, you train tons of people. You like, It's like a full-time thing for you that you... Yeah, um, yeah I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a full-time profe- fitness professional in Orange County, California. Yeah. Um, and I work with all kinds of people. I tend to do well with older folks. I yeah. love training, you know, 60s and 70-year-olds because I can literally change their life. And in in massive ways, and you yeah. know, and and regular people that want to lose a few pounds and look a little better too. I'm, I'm yeah. good at all that stuff. I kind of do it all. Yeah. So so that that's super important to you, Juna. Also with the P and H, I'm sure everything helps balance each yeah. other. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. You, you got to have, you know, you you, you got to. I realize now the importance of doing positive things with your time on this planet, whatever that yeah. is. And and I consider I consider training and the band to be two halves of of one kind of trying to make this world a little bit of a better place mission. Yeah. I, yeah. You do a good job at it too. I appreciate that. And, Thanks, um, my brother. Thank you. And as far as you're like, your your head, as far as being sober now, that's not a challenge anymore. Like that's such in your past. That you don't think about it no more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think about drinking at all anymore. Like I can hang out with drunks. I could buy people drinks and it's totally fine. You know, yeah, it just seems like you, you got caught up in that crazy, like dark New York bartender, like bar bar life, like late nights in New well, York, was, all that. 
Yeah, it was like a perfect storm because I would go on tour, and I remember on our on our rider, I had a bottle of absolute vodka. That's right. Every night, and I would make sure I would make sure that damn thing got finished. You know, after the show, every night, I'd get blitz drunk, and then I'd come home and I'd be working at a bar where, guess what? I would get blitz drunk every night. So it just turned into like this constant, every single night, like just getting smashed. Crazy, you know, for years. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. And it sucks because you said you were there by yourself and nobody's there like, to look out for you. Kind of, We were over here and then Todd's in Jersey and like you were just doing your thing. Like it was. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Like I, I always felt like, I always felt like, you know, like I was just like, like a, just caught up on this crazy train and I couldn't, you know, really get off it because everyone I knew and all my friends in New York now that had, were essentially drinkers and partiers. And I would just hang out with one group of parties one night. The next night, I would go hang out with the next. The next night, I would go hang out with the next. The next night, I would go hang out with the next. Yeah. So I was, I was like the guy everybody got drunk with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So on their nights off, I was still out. So crazy. Fuck. And now you have a beautiful wife and a wonderful life in California. and I have little to complain about. Yeah, man. Yeah, you, came, you came a I'm long happy. way, man. Um, yeah, man. I want to I want to take a little credit for for your your wife Juliet. Dude, I think I think I think you should. You introduced <laughs> me to my wife, you know. You so know, Adam, I Adam, that we would get married. I know. I think you I think you were in New York, and I was I met her when she was working for Zico out here, and I remember having lunch yeah. with her. I just yep. loving her vibe. Me. Yeah, and I was like, and I was I told her about you, and I was just hit you up. I said, dude. I have a friend named Juliet. I, I swear to God, you love this girl. I bet you, uh, yeah, I bet you marry her or something like that. And yes, you did. You and, said I met the girl. I remember. I remember. I was walking. I was on Thirtieth Street. I remember because I was I was taking acting lessons at the time. Oh, that's um, right. You took acting lessons. That's yeah, right. I went to school. I went to 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 an acting conservatory for two years. While that's all this was right, dude. And, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I trained with a uh, William Esper, who actually just passed away. Who was oh, Sam wow. Rockwell's teacher, Kathy Bates' teacher. Oh like, shit, just that's crazy. A lot of lot of really good alumni came from there. Yeah. But I remember I was outside the school when I was, and you called me and you said, "I just met the girl you're going to marry," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and then that's crazy. And then fuck me if it didn't happen. Oh, so are we allowed to swear? Yeah. Th- and so then you came out to Cali not too long after. And you guys, uh, yeah, thing right? You came out. Yeah, after we that. actually yeah. I actually ended up meeting her outside of the. Roxy when we did the One Life One Chance benefit. Yes, show. that's right, dude. And, uh, and then I just went up and spoke to her. I kind of realized that she was probably the girl you'd been telling me about. And then, yeah, you know, I, I stalked her on on the internet, and we became, you know, became internet chat buddies. And then she picked me up from the airport um, at the end of one of our tours, and we've been together ever since. It's fucking crazy. How many years now? Yeah, it's we are eight. She, we are eight years. Eight that's years. amazing. So May 13th, yeah. Yeah, it's the day she picked me up. It's and crazy. I got to be the best man at your wedding. That was such a great moment. I was so nervous. Yeah, I had my long yeah. speech. That was so fucking fun, man. Well, you had to you had to be best man. I you know. know. Thank you, bro. You did. You that no was choice. amazing. So yeah, so so here we are, twenty five years later in the band, and we're still playing music, and we have these lives that we get to be at home with our families and then go play music and come back. We're, I think we're very lucky. We set some up really nice for ourselves, and the fact that people still care and come see us play makes it even better. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it's still it's it's still to this day it's pretty pretty amazing that people people still come out and they still love our band. Like it that never gets old. You know, it's 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 a it, they they give us a gift that will and a life that thank you. We can never say enough thank yous for. Totally, it. it's amazing, man. And, and for you know, me and you talk like every day, like one of my best friends, and it's dude, it's, it's amazing. So when we're off tour, we're still in touch with each other, trying yep. to see each other. Yep. Even though like forty yep. minutes away, we yep. try. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, man, we 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 have, we have done well for ourselves. You know, for for 
for a band that I, I remember I getting in, in the blackout band, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, you know, like, like, you know, not, not to be cheesy, but it re- it really was like a five year plan. Like, well, you know, we're probably all going to end up, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen. And it's then like, true. here we are like literally 25 years later and we're still fortunate enough to go out and do this. It's, it's crazy, dude. Pretty breathtaking actually, you know, very, still rocking. We're very lucky, man. But, uh, thank we you. Thank, thank you for sharing those, uh, sharing those times with us and, dude, and no uh, worries, being open brother. and, um, I love you. And I'll speak to you soon, bro. Thanks for your time love today. You too, my man. All, All right, right, brother. Bye. 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 What's up, TF? How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Um, Thank you. Thank you for having me. I had Shauna on here today. Uh, mm-hmm. We're finishing up like the Maryland part of the chapter of my life where the Rusty was on there too, and we talked about the Ho Dads today. Where did that name come from? So that was um, March of '86. It was basically like uh, Tom Morris, Keith Manuel, Gene Booth, and me. It was like an early project of our crowd. It was like basically from it was like a, a poser surfer, basically. Yeah, that's what they did. So, yeah, who 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 figured out what that name meant? And who like like how we didn't have Google back then? How'd you guys know what that? I know. It's weird. I think Todd. I think Todd okay. came up with it. Okay. And we basically like all of us were kind of like. It was like our first. Well, Todd was in Rosette Pats, but um, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. But um, <clears throat> basically, like we all were. It was like our first real band together, so we were learning yeah. how to play our like. We played a bunch of Ramones covers, some surf covers, and we played like. I mean, we played like a, a clothing store out front in Solomon's Island. Um, so let's rewind before the whole dad. So. Mm-hmm. Before we moved to Maryland, me and my brothers, like, were, were you, mm-hmm. how'd you get into punk rock? Did you get into that when you met us? Like, what were you into before we met you? I was into, like, new wave punk. Okay. I, was, I, I came more from new wave. Like, when yeah. I met you guys, I was wearing jams and checkered vans. I remember <laughs> that shit, yeah. OC, um, stuff like that. Commander Salamander, yeah. Georgetown. So you hadn't, heard yeah. punk, you hadn't really heard any punk rock yet? I kind of had like, um, like, like Ronnie Strickland was the first one to give me like suicidal, the Kennedys. Yeah, but I think, I think Ronnie met, met, got that through us though, because we moved there. Was nobody listening to punk yeah. rock and moved to that town? Yep. We were like yeah, the new, so, ali- we were the new aliens on the block. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and basically, you, like through you, that. Yeah. yeah, you met Todd Fred. You met Todd Morris first, right? I met Tom Morris like fall of 85. Like Roadside Pets had just played in a barn. And we talked um, about the barn bash. Yes, we did. Yes. Yeah. And for some reason I couldn't go. I was like 14. I just turned 14 or that summer. And um, and I remember you had like spikes, like really high spikes. Liberty spikes. Yeah. Liberty spikes. Yep. And I remember seeing you guys in high school. You were talking about it. I think you guys maybe even had like Polaroid for the barn show or something like that. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, wow, this is cool. This is like really like I was I was really curious and interested in it. And had um, you been to a live concert yet? No. Okay. No. My first show with you guys was well outside of Hodad's and Outcrowd, but the first show that I went to was Governor Issue Black Record, maybe. At Marble Bar, and that's nice. where I met Joe Crunch, Joe Crunch, wow. Ed Lenton, Paul Insane from yeah. Insane, yeah. And then we started playing there like soon after, like a 
not even a month after that, we played there with the Dead Milkman. You played there with Midlife Crisis, Rusty's Band Before Images. Did you want to be a, a musician at that point, or you just loved the music? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew. When did you start knew, playing drums? I got my first set Christmas of 1980. What, but, kind, of, what kind of kid was it? Like a Mickey Mouse kid? What was it? Yeah, it was like a it was like a small. And then I ended up taking remnants of that kit into an early ODS kit. Wow. <laughs> into an early ODS kit. And that's where, like, Todd in the H2O episode talks to me about that. Yeah. Where it was like bucket. It was basically like buckets. And I put it off the side because I saw a picture of Store Copeland from the police. My middle name is Store. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I want to flip awesome. my name around. I want to flip my name to Stuart Todd for a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> that's amazing. So I was like, you're not changing your middle name. <laughs> what, what, what did your parents What did your parents think about you playing music? They thought it was awesome. It was um, because I wasn't really, really into sports. I mean, I, I was curiously, casually interested in it, but so it was a way of like having like practices in my garage were just like, yeah. Okay. Like everybody else was doing after school, this, that, or whatever. And Todd would always be to me like, okay, what time you home from school? Like four or three, whatever. <laughs> and then we would just play to like sundown or 7 PM until like neighbors would start complaining. And then Damn. I remember like just people would come, we would have practice. I mean, we didn't have cell phones back then, but we would have practice and like it became like a hangout. Like you would come or yeah. Mike Eli, Mike Bailey, Mike Eli. And you guys lived on the water too. So we go run and stage dive off the back of your pier. We'd have, yeah. we, we, we have, I remember listening to I Against Die out there. We had a boom box and we'd be yeah. like, we'd be like diving into the, off the pier in your mom's backyard. It was practice for the real shows. <laughs> <laughs> so. And I, had a, and I had a dog named Toby too. That's at that right. Time. I remember that. So. How was your like? Were you you had good grades in school? No. <laughs> Did you hate I school? Like, uh, I liked it for the friends and the hangouts. Yeah, but you graduated though. Barely. Yeah, and you. Oh, I have a picture I want to send you too. You came to my house for my high school graduation party. Oh wow! And I have a picture of my mom giving us a cake for my party. Oh, that's amazing. And then me and you and the Wheel Brothers, Mark and Joe Wheel, we took off for Virginia Beach the next morning, like super early. And we went to Virginia Beach for like a week. Who did? Me, you, Joe, and Mark Wheel. I did? How old was I? You were, so I would have been summer of 89 or early summer of 89, like 18. You had to be 19. So where do we go? What do we go? What do we do there? We stay at a, at a Holiday Inn about a block from the beach. What? Just, really? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. Just went swimming every day and hung out? Swimming every day, hang out. Yep. Wow. I, I, I don't understand what we did. We didn't go to um, Thrashmore outside of Virginia, that skate ramp. Yeah, we didn't do that. We didn't do that, but we hung out on the beach. I mean, we were there for at least five days a week. That's amazing. Yeah. Quiet, please. And then... Um. <laughs> Guys being loud and, then, in the and then and then our crowd that summer we were doing like east coast runs up to newport yeah. dc stuff like that we were going up and down did you go to college too or no before that i went to we moved we all moved our crowd moved end of summer of 1990 and me and you started working at roadrunner that monday like yeah. we moved on a saturday and, and vinnie lou i remember 
was telling me and you to come in and work. So then I probably went to school for like part-time for like two years. I took how, like a bunch of music classes and stuff. How many years did you work at Roadrunner for me and you? Four. I was there four, but you you did two years there and then sorry, Brody, I'm sick of it all, maybe. You started touring, yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And then I worked I all... you go ahead. You call me with or no, you asked me if I wanted to go on the road and then Jerry went. Jerry ended up going. Yeah. on the biohazard sick of all tour. Oh yeah, then also when we worked at I worked at concrete marketing too with Lou and Pete. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Just smash shit out the windows and shit. Um that's crazy, TF. So fuck. Um I wonder what the life would be like if we had not even met you. We talked about that today. Like we went to Maryland kicking and screaming, but then we met nah. you and yeah. you met Todd Morris and here we are now. It's crazy. I know, I know. Yeah, it's it's just been thinking about it. Like it's what thirty. It started. I remember I started going. So like you were you were a year ahead of me, and Todd was like four and a half years ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> and I would go over to your house after school, and we would just listen to music, jump around your room, stage yeah, yeah. off the bed. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, I I still my mother still has it. You did like this artwork on a cassette holder. That I had. I she saw still it has it? Down. Really? Yeah, I saw it when I was down on Thanksgiving, yep. What was the artwork of? What was it? You did, like, a bunch of all the bands, Circle Jerks. No came. way. I, I need to see that. That's awesome. I got to get that next time I go down. Okay. Yeah. Holy but, shit. Um, yeah, yeah. They still have it. <laughs> so we got but, to go. Um, we started going to all the shows in D.C., all the shows. In Ma- yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. I saw... Um, let me see. There was something I saw recently. We went to well, I, I saw the flyer from uh, the Marble Bar uh, Black Market Baby government issue, and yeah. then the flyer. I saw something recently where it was out crowd and midlife crisis pre image pre images yeah. of Ferrussi, and then below that was the Henry Rollins first solo that's tour right. with Token Entry Open, and that's where you met Timmy Chunks, yeah. and a lot changed there too. <laughs> Yeah, man. I I was, I was just off the phone with Timmy Chunks right now. I just interviewed, oh, I just awesome. talked to him about me moving to New York and that that changed my life and me leaving Maryland and just going there by myself. Really, no direction. What I wanted to do, I just wanted to be part of that scene because I love the yeah. New York scene so much. But yeah, I feel I feel like we what I talked about with Shauna and Rusty today was like we 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 got to meet you and Shauna out there. We came there and we kind of we made. We, we changed it to make it fun. Like, it wasn't the, yeah, the funnest yeah. place, but we brought the skateboarding and the music and the barn shows and just all of us hanging yeah. out. We built, like, a community there, you know? Totally, totally. Like, we would play anybody who was having a party. It was like, all right, you need one to play? <laughs> all right, cool, you know? It was that kind of, like... Yeah, did you... Vibe. What was your life like before we met you? Like, were you... Tr- wanted to do music? Were you, like... Did you feel like you only a person into New Wave at the school at the time, or...? Well, like I was very into like a lot of um, like late seventies, early eighties. Like Police was my favorite, and obviously I mentioned yeah. that earlier. But yeah. like a lot of stuff like that, like um, like The Clash and yeah. like Duran Duran, like stuff like that. I was I was into that, and sort of through that, it kind of trickled into like, oh, this is like a heavier version of this, or you know, stuff like that with punk and the Ramones was like totally. Huge. Ramones changed my life. Yeah, it did, they love, yeah, Ramones was your shit. It changed sure. my life. Yeah, 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 totally. Like the first time I heard like their first album, I was in like Jean Blue's car, 
and and um i was just like oh wow okay their songs are like heavy but also really catchy yeah great melodies man yeah like in early 90s we had like i mean we we did like an east coast tour with them which was like a I mean, yeah, you've been like, out crowd. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. It was huge. That was a dream come true. Yeah. Like, I, I was only like 21 at the yeah. time. And like, I had some crazy stories about that. I don't know. About what? What? Being on that tour, you mean? Yeah. So, like, I mean, being that I was so young, we played the chance in Poughkeepsie. And we were like, I mean, we were, we were on blackout at the time and just kind of, yeah, like, yeah. we were just stoked. We were just stoked to be on yeah. that show like on we i think we did like six shows of them or something and these yeah. guys were like my idols like totally. i mean totally. i had posters on the wall everything yeah, yeah. so as a chance in Bikissi, i go upstairs before we go to play and like i think it was early winter 92 or 93 okay. i want to say 93 yeah and i opened the, the chance bathroom has no has no lock on it so i opened the door <laughs> And I opened the door and Joe Ramon's going number two. Wow, dude, this is the best story I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, what did you do? I immediately hear him and I immediately know who it is. And the 21-year-old in me is like, oh my God, oh my God, we're gonna get kicked off these shows. Like I I go into a free panic. Like I'm so nervous, like I don't even want to tell Gene or Todd or Holy anybody. Holy shit. Like, so did, did he say like, I'm in here anything? Nothing? Yes, no? yes, yes. Wow. I, I, immediately, I immediately run down the stairs thinking, oh my God, oh my God, we're going to get kicked did off Did he see shows. you? I think he saw you? I don't think so, but. That's an amazing I mean, story, the, dude. The 21 year old in me was like, all right, we're kicked off these shows. Like the drummer of stuff. <laughs> wow, that's fucking yeah. crazy. Were they cool with you guys on that on that tour though? They were super cool. Yeah, yeah. They were, like they were offering us pizza. Like pizza, um, I want some. I want some. Wow. And, um, but yeah, that was like that was like a crazy. That, I remember that because I was we had like five or six more shows. That, or five more shows yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We had like Jersey Shore. We did City Gardens with him. We did uh, that place in Danbury, Connecticut. I forgot what it's called. Oh, I know what it is. Uh, uh, yeah. I forgot his name. I'm looking at it right now. So we played there too with Ishua. We yeah, played yeah. there for Shelter. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I was like, oh my god, we're gonna get kicked off these shows. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and it didn't happen. But you know, like of course, yeah. The paranoid side of me was like, oh my god, oh my god. Well, your parents were super supportive too of Outcrowd and all the all your endeavors. Yeah. They love they loved having everybody down. Like yeah, like my dad would stand up to my neighbors if they were complaining about the band practicing. Like yeah. he still doesn't get along with one of his yeah. now. But um, and my mom loved it. She was like, she'd make food. Yeah, cake, it was great. Yeah, home cooked meals and shit. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. So we. I, it was I, like. Go ahead. Hmm? Yeah, I'm saying. Oh that. no, I was just. Go ahead. Tia. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, <okay>. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but she she my my parents loved it. Like it was like. Um, cause my dad was in bands in like college yeah, and, and it was just a way like, it was like, it was like, it was like our own little world down there. Like I go totally. down it's like, it's like so far removed from even down in Lexington park, Lexwoods. It's so far removed from that. Yeah. They're in that same house on the water. Correct. Yeah. It's since, amazing. Uh, if, December... you, if, you, if, you, if you could picture this house, people listening right in the front on the, it has like the sign outside that says the friends. 
It's amazing, yeah. <laughs> man. And then it's like a nice pier in the back, and it goes out into the water. It's super beautiful, man. Yeah, yeah. That they had the house for like for how many years? Thirty years. Since '79. Wow, man, that's so fucking 40. amazing. They probably bought yeah. the house for like fifty bucks back in the day. <laughs> it's probably worth trillions Almost, of dollars, uh, man. Holy shit. Yeah. That's pretty amazing, dude. And your parents still together. It's a fucking beautiful thing. Yeah, they're always they're so being... cool to us. Always so supportive. We used to always stay yeah. at your house and like. It's, I feel like we all came from not so much strict parents that we got to do what we loved and we didn't get pressured to do like, go to the military, uh, totally, you know, totally. yeah. bunch, whatever, you know, but we got to do, our parents are pretty lenient in that sense. They were like supportive yeah. of it. Obviously, I'm sure it stressed them out if we didn't go to college or we didn't get good grades or we didn't have yeah. like a uh, yeah. 401k or like a retirement plan. Yeah. But I don't know who we are now later on in the 25th year of the band. You know, it's pretty, pretty interesting. It's pretty amazing. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 I think about it all the time. Like if we, if we had not moved to Maryland and met you and met Shauna, met all these people, I know. I know. we all connected and made like this community down there, you know? Yeah, totally. And like, like, like between like when we would, we would, when, when I met you guys, it was like, you know, I was like 14, like 14 ish, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So it was like, I mean, I wasn't even driving. Like I have to, and I remember you weren't driving. No nah, man, either. I didn't drive till I moved here. Fucking get my license yeah. till I was thirty three. <laughs> I was talking to Timmy Chunks about that. Nobody fucking drove in New York, you know. Like nobody got the licenses. It's crazy, yeah. crazy. Yeah. In the Maryland, we always used to hitchhike and ride our skateboards too. It wasn't yeah, that totally. much of a spread out town. We could get around to places, you know. Did did Thrapping Crew like? I'm changing the subject, but did Thrapping Crew give you an early? like information to do like the thing like you know i don't know I mean? yeah i had this group thrapping crew buddy if you listen to the first episode of my mom's i talk mm -hmm. about this thrapping crew band i have with todd friend and mike mike alderson how many songs do we have just one two or three like three and we songs. actually played a show we played yeah. a show with crandall on guitar <laughs> wow yes yeah, it, it, like, it was straight up like licensed to L meets skateboarding yeah i guess like skate rock hip-hop and we and um, yeah, I guess it was the first time I actually sang in a group. Is rapping crew? That's pretty interesting, man. Yeah. I wish yeah. it was video fo video footage of that. That'd be pretty amazing. I know there is pictures though. I've seen I've yeah, seen I pictures. I've seen pictures, but shit. Yeah. I would love to see video footage. That'd be. <laughs> that was we super fun. We played a second show. We played a second show at St. Mary's College too. I don't know how that happened or where, but it was in some dorm like hall room. Oh wow. Like a music room, and that was the show with the guitar. <laughs> All I know is the song Poses. I wasn't sure the other songs we had, but Skating at Trevor's, don't fall. Uh, oh yeah, Skating, skating at Trevor's, don't fall down. Don't fall down. Yep. All your friends keep hanging around. Skating at Trevor's, <laughs> don't fall down. Oh my god, dude, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> oh shit! Once you hear the H two episode, um, which is going to be after this one, I'm sure we can come back and do like a part two of the guitar friend because you have great knowledge and. People that are listening, yeah. we're going to do a Todd cast too. You're going to hear Todd Friend go over every single show we've ever played. It's pretty amazing. Um, you've always had a good memory with that. And so people that don't either, Todd Friend has always written our set list our entire career. He's in charge of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just like Lars from Metallica, he writes all their set lists too. I don't know if you know that. It's a fact. So uh, I don't know what it is with drama. Is it good with writing set lists? And, um yeah, TF, you're the best. I think I, I think I think Armand does too. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm Armand sure he does, does too. too. I think it's a drummer thing. It's, it's very interesting. You know all the segues and shit to connect all the songs. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and Todd um, Todd used to like have a good ideas too. He would always yeah Todd and Adam helps me out a little bit now too. He yeah, gets some good ideas too. 
IT. Well, we're, uh, this 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 is good for today, and then we'll get you back on the phone if we need some more missing details. Because you know, there's a lot of stuff we've been through. There's together. a lot. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's lot. a lot of history together. There's a lot of facts. There's a lot of um, um, selective memory. There's like blocked out memory. There's all kinds of crazy shit that happened that we don't want to talk about. There's amazing shit that we might have missed. Um, so yeah. yeah, T. It. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being my friend. Thanks for of letting course. us in your house when we were kids and being H two O and yeah. um, you know, being the banana man forever. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Love you, bud. Love you too. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Peace, T. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast. Please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.